It's not, it's not really a waza, but it's more of like a wah for the feet, for the knees, for the ankles. That is your sonic anatomy, biofield alchemy. Everybody give it a good wah tonight because, you know, we all occasionally need a little help with the challenges and obstacles that we're feeling and the letting go or the big decisions in life. And this sound wah, wah, however it wants to come out. If you can make that feel good, do it till it feels all right. It's going to help you with all that energy relating to your feet, your knees, your ankles, your thighs, all that good stuff. Yeah, the author known as Al Dog, he is alerting us that there is gravy incoming. He can sense it. Congrats on your new book, by the way, buddy. That is super cool. Can't wait to get a copy. I have a feeling you might have mailed that today. <laughs> uh, he, he just wrote a book called The Charter A Millennial's Journey Out of Hip Hop Hypnosis It's going to be good I'm sure we're going to find some We're going to probably have to do a vibrant about it pretty soon So yeah, wah everybody Tonight we're hanging out with just me and Gabriel And maybe we'll take callers later There's so much going on right now In the world <laughs> So much symbolism uh, so much distraction, so much actual shit with major consequences. It's like, who knows where to start, but we're going to hang out. Gabe's got thoughts out. If you only saw the direct message thread between me and Gabriel, I could compose <laughs> an audiobook out of it. You know, <laughs> it would be very disjointed and random, but it'd be a lot of fun. Anyway, Vibrant 77. Hello, everybody in the chat. Thanks for sharing the show with your friends, with your telegram groups, anybody that might like it. Rachel, Polymathing, Loco, Brayden, all the good people here. If I didn't say your name, I still love you. So anyway, Vibrant number 77. And first and foremost, Gabriel, show off that t-shirt again. What do you got on? Wow. Let's see, where is it? There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's off of innerversemerch.com. If you want that shirt with art that I made up out of my brain. Yeah, that hit me. That hit me right on, right on time. I was delving into Hera and the symbolism of the peacock and the one hundred eyes of the peacock feathers, corresponding with Argo, the Greek character from uh, from old lore, and how he was covered in eyeballs. Very yeah, fascinating. We, we left that one hanging a little bit on Sun uh, Monday with Mario yeah. and. Dylan, what a good yeah. show that was. I'm sure everyone's probably caught it by now, but yeah, Argo, <laughs> the million eyes. Let me just. Because the, uh, yeah, because the peacock of Pavel is adjacent to that Argo constellation. They're, they're basically uh, corner to corner up uh, down there in the southern, southern part of the sky. Nice. I just thought that was good art for art. That is great. Yeah. You know, so, that's yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know where to start, man. I named this episode Ma Rea's, Ma Rea Anna's Enneagrammatic Pandemonia. Uh -huh. So I guess since we don't know where to start and we're just having fun here, and I know it's really, like, I want to make it about you, but here's the things that are on my mind. And I know that you've got connections to it. So Hold on, before we walk away from Argo, real quick, I want to say this um, Argo. Pavel and Indus are three very crucial constellations down there next to each other. 
Indus is the only constellation that is clearly a Native American individual. He's like got a huge headdress sometimes. Sometimes he's just got a couple feathers. But uh, you know what gets me? Um, I used to participate in a beautiful form of communion, a uh, chillum ceremony. And we used to do it like Baba style. We used to smoke, uh, you know, tobacco, ganja, and hash, the Holy Trinity mixed together. And when I would hit the chillum, I would feel every blood cell in my body wake up simultaneously as though I were looking in all directions. Ah. You're, you're feeling that, right? So the smoking of the chillum is, uh, you know, we were doing it like Hindu, Indian, from India style. But we know that the Native Americans here, uh, they were also smoking that tobacco as well. So it's just very fascinating how the many eyes of your vessel open up, which is exactly what science describes it as. You know, your vessels are opening up. Uh, so the exchange of, you know, the magic can happen in your body. So I just wanted to put all those ingredients together in the ship <laughs> uh, because, yeah, I used to take Merkaba flights back in those days. <laughs> I think that there's going to I think we're going to have a connection to that. Uh, you know, when we get into talking about demonia, there's something about that, like everything's eyes, man. <laughs> I've done the psychedelics. I've seen the trees looking back at me. I know what that's about. But yeah, have you ever tried Jepe before? Do you know what that is? That's is a that South the American one? thing. Is that the one that they blow in your nose or something? Yeah, it's like powdered tobacco. And another guy has to just like <laughs> shoot I, it I, up I, into your brain. Uh, I, that one. So that like intensely opens all the eyeballs on your whole body, you know, and then they start leaking mucus and stuff. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, I've always wondered about the pan flute that it depicts like, you know, it's some kind of nose flute with two tubes coming out their nose. I've always wondered if that was encoding the ceremony that you're talking about. Hepe? Hepe? Yeah, they spell it R-A-P-E, but it's pronounced Hepe. Uh, wow. Uh, you know. Show it demonstrating that uh, ours are not always ours. <laughs> that is, that's interesting. Makes me think of therapy. You go to therapy. They've always had the word, you know, rapey is hiding out in the word therapy. Because <laughs> you have to become vulnerable, right? You have to have to un expose yourself a little bit. It's That's making cool. me think of, did you see this comment? I had a brilliant as your blue peacock visit me during my last serious psychedelic mushroom trip. Benevolent presence. That's cool. That's <laughs> beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Uh, That's so praise Hera. So, okay. I have, you know, a significant other. She's not from here. So she never had a Super Bowl American style. I wanted to check that out, see what that's about. And, you know, my parents and my sister and brother-in-law, they're all stoked because we're from, we live in Missouri and the Chiefs were the superb owl contenders, you know, that they're rooting for. So I went over with the fam and watched this whole thing. <laughs> it's been a while since I saw a Super Bowl or halftime show. But man, it's like, did they pick Rihanna for her name? And we're not going to talk about the Super Bowl thing the whole time. I just want to touch on it in a little bit because. And I, I think I can weave it together. Like it's, you know how the external world just shows you stuff that reflects what it is that you're looking at in your internal world. Right. Yeah. And 
So before I talk about Rhea Anna, <laughs> just bring I'm going to introduce this concept of demonia and again this is not this isn't something i'm i'm saying is truth or that i believe it but i'm entertaining it as an idea because it you know there's uh, i have some personal experiential reasons why i can entertain this as an idea first of all and i think we'll get to that but you know what is important about this idea is that we get this word demon from the Greek demonia, but their idea of it was not that these were evil spirits somehow like pre-existing in another realm or another dimension, but that this is the souls of the dead. And another word for it, like the Latins called it the manes or the mains, right? Interesting word. We've talked about that before, but you know, there's these traditions of ancestor worship all over the world or not as even ancestor worship, ancestor recognition. And it makes you wonder that if we're in a society that has gone long enough on recognizing of the ancestors, do they become demonic in the sense that we have in pop culture and, you know, mystic Christianity and all that, you know, do they actually become evil spirits if they left this place all messed up and evil? Right. Right. Especially if you die in a war, and the government goes and tells your family lies about how you died. Would that stir up the energies? You know, the more lies, the more fertile ground for dark shadows of our untold past to come back and stir up some dust. So this connects us to the Argo stuff we've been talking about big time. And uh, like what I'll say about the Argo symbolism is that the Ark is the goddess. And the ark is the earth. It, these are like the, it's a micro macrocosm thing. So the ark, the boat is the micro, the earth is the macro. And then the whole cosmos is like the mega, mega macro. And so you know, we have this mythology of the two by two on the boat, right? I think that they're also connecting back to this symbolism that connects the arc and the moon, like the crescent moon shape actually being an arc symbol. Uh, pandemonia. That's like all demons. <laughs> Pan is all right. Uh, <laughs> like, how do I get these thoughts out of my head in a way that can succinctly set us up for the conversation? But <sighs> when the souls are, have passed on, when someone has left their body, the belief amongst the ancients, as best as I can figure, was that they go to some kind of like holding space, uh, you know, bo Pandora's box, <laughs> the ark, whatever you want to call it, until the recreation of the world, the destruction and renovation of the world comes about. And then all of these souls get put back into new bodies in their own time, in their own order. And then and they, different schools of thought had different ideas, maybe, but the best consensus I can come up with on it is that everything even just happens again. The same way <laughs> was the belief. I'm not saying that again, I'll repeat this probably more than once, but I'm not saying this is what I believe, but this is in the symbolism, right? So when we see Rihanna, who is Rhea Anna, Rhea is the queen of heaven. That's Ma Rhea, Ma Rhea, wife of Kronos. This is literally the Ark herself. We see her 
with the pregnancy, the scarlet woman, like all of these symbols that are so on the nose and that even my normie parents were noticing. <laughs> even my parents noticed that all her dancers looked like sperm. <laughs> it's obviously some kind of big like fertility gem, but you know, were they sperm? Or like how many sperm are in one ejaculation? You know, it's billions, right? Are these all the, the dead heroes of the past competing to get into the next to get into the womb or the ark? Because the ark is also the womb. Anyway, all these thoughts are on my mind. So uh to me it was just like mind blowing that I'm thinking about this idea of demonia, the heroes of the dead. And there's so many components to this, like the name, does the name matter? Is the name accessing something whenever beings are put up into the sky clock as constellations and made into deep, like considered that if you became a constellation, you're a deity is, are you a deity because people remember your name and are going to remember your deeds <laughs> and thus like sort of egregorically call on your power or you bring, bring you into their vessel in a way. I don't know. But she's definitely some kind of red queen, queen of heaven. They had her up in the sky. You know, she's like, I've never seen people fly in for the Super Bowl performance like that. Very lunar arc oriented. And, 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 and in the red dress, the halftime, not the halftime, the pregame before the game started, the national anthem singer, she had a big red dress on and there was like a button or a brooch right at the top of her dress in a crescent moon shape, but it wasn't a crescent moon tilted on its side. Like we normally see it was like a half circle where it was lined up on the bottom. You know what I mean? Like literally like an arc, like a boat. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is re like really the thing. Yes. Anyway. In India, I think they call that, you know, I call it a Cheshire moon when it looks like, you know, when it looks like a Cheshire smiley face, uh, but in India, I've heard that when it has that tilt, sometimes they would call it the Shiva moon, which kind of makes sense when you think of the headdress, the Indian style headdress, India Hindu style headdress. So I, I've, I've found something else today that I was looking at the idea of the fates, but from the Norse perspective. So they're called the Norns, actually. They are the attendants to the world tree and all that. I learned a lot of interesting stuff about them, but what was most fascinating to me was the name of the fate or the Norn that we call weird or weird W Y R D or just weird. Like we spell weird, the Norse tra the, uh, transliteration that's more accurate from the Norse is actually U R D like Erd. And blew my mind a little bit because not only was this being said to like inscribe the laws and the rules of the cosmos upon a tablet, giving you being the lawgiver and she's part of a Trinity, you know, and it's this goddess of the tree, which is the Mount Maru. Uh, they even are said to emerge from the lake under the world tree. So that's the primal waters of chaos. And then, the mast of the boat or the, the Mount Maru, Mount Olympus, Yggdrasil, whatever. But dude, word is word. This is the word. It's the logos in a female guise. And then on the other hand, erd, U-R-D, D and T-H, 
or D and T, philologically interchangeable. So the transliteration of the word, word, (laughs) or weird, is earth. The earth, arc, it's the same thing. It's the same symbol. So that was something I looked at today, too. I'm going to give you some time to talk. I'm just going to work on my drink here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one thing that I've... uh, I had fun with some of my projects in the past on, uh, on the Enneagram uh, was uh, realizing that, you know, the three wise men at the birth of Christ, that they have other iterations in other cultures, you know, and this is like, it's the same framework. It's just dressed up differently. uh, We're told dressed up differently as it's handed around to different paradigms. Um, So yeah, the three wise men were an elder, from the far east and then a middle-aged from a little less east and then the youngest i believe was from africa so the most westernly and so the three wise men actually aged over the progression of what the sun takes on its path every day so the eldest was in the easternmost and the youngest was in the westernmost and so uh that kind of told me that we're dealing with a, the sacred trinity which it's been described so many ways, but it's also as simple as the past, the present, and the future. And I found that that is a real good uh, kind of framework that I was able to then take that and look at the Greeks in their three uh, goddesses, their three fates, um, who were uh, Atropos, Clotho, and Lachesis. And so they are much like a Greek derivative of past, present, and future, or their three wise women. Uh, it's a, it is a universal trilogy, uh, trinity. And, um, and then the Romans have a, a version of that with, I believe, three women, but I'm a little gray on their names. Uh, but it's interesting. So I'm thinking, since you say weird, W-Y-R-D, since she was a lawgiver, and her name is much like the word, and erd, which is heard, have you heard the word? You know, I'm thinking she is going to be Lachesis because one of the symbols of Lachesis is um, a scroll. Uh, sometimes she's writing on a scroll like Santa Claus, keeping track of your deeds uh, in the, that you're doing right now. This is like an all-seeing eye in, in, implanted into your mind. Um, but she's also sometimes holding a globe which is also like Santa Claus because he's up at the North Pole looking down in all directions simultaneously. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking that word would be Lachesis, which I think is the present moment uh, because it's the middle aged of the of the three fates. You're right. And I think he- here's why. The word weird <laughs> or word <laughs> like the the Norse meaning of that is being. Oh yeah. Being is the present moment. Who else was a a being whose name means being that gave laws to mankind on a tablet? Oh yeah. It's Jehovah. Yeah. That guy, Yahweh, (laughs) that guy (laughs) also said to be a three in one, but what you just said is, is devastatingly accurate uh, to what I was finding out about the Norns. One of their names means being, the one that is word, weird. Another one means shall. So that's the future tense. Wow. And I'm trying to remember what the third, what the, uh, 
<laughs> okay, so I'm mixing that up, I guess. According to Matheson here, weird is a different. Okay, I'm going to have to do a little bit of recon on the fly. But uh-huh. the, their names were Earth, Ver, Vertani, and Skuld. And Skuld was Chal, and Earth was weird. But I'm going to find, I'm going to find what the okay. Wikipedia idea says about weird. I Get heard re- weird. I heard recently that uh, it's not the exact same word, but there is a word much like school in Hebrew that means a rose, mm. uh, which we know is powerfully symbolic. So that's very interesting that there's probably a tie into that. Yeah, the rose is packed with meaning. That's fun. But yeah, Matheson's on it, huh? He's he's bringing up the three fates in his work. Yeah, well, they were just referenced in the Voluspa, uh, Voluspa <laughs> the the Book of the Volva, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in reference to the chapter of Yggdrasil that I was checking out today. But it's very interesting that again we have a being that's name means being, you know, being this yeah. itself there. There's a lot of interesting details. I'll probably save it for him, but I wonder. You know, if, do you know what Vertani meant? Does it mean something about the truth? Uh, or just, see, just close the page. But Vertani was, I think that was the one that is being okay. And and Erd is weird, which is like fate. They translated it as fate, but yeah, that word fate is. <sighs> I mean, it's an interesting one because. We're talking about cults that were all up in the divination arts. We're talking about sibyls and oracles, the mysteries of the vulva and the volupspa, and the druids were called the vates. They weren't called druids by the Romans. They're called the vates. And you do that V to F switch, and there you have it. They're the fates, you know? It's the same thing. Yes, absolutely. You know, Oh, there's a, so much. This is so fun. Uh, this sounds a lot like vote. And people believe that their vote is going to determine their fate. Um, and I always love to point out that when you flip V-O-T-E in reverse, it comes as et of, et of. And so you are t- partaking in, you are eating of this communion of uh believing in the social contract that is universal suffrage. Um, but I just love taking words and flipping them in reverse, and they still kind of reveal the truth of the situation uh, that voting is eating of or partaking in a collective meal of sorts, maybe uh, consuming the flesh of a savior might be the program under there. Uh, just something to think about. I'm not, I'm, I don't eat of myself. Uh, but I do find its uh, implications most fascinating. Okay, so I got it wrong in my memory that uh, Super Bowl pre-game, what what you want to call it, you know, national anthem, the symbol was flipped nine, like uh, a bit ninety degrees from this. But it is here. This is what I'm talking about. Thank you for pulling that up, Jenny. And then here we have a leaf. It looks like. But it also could be like a ladle, <laughs> you know, you caught that in the talk with the guys on Monday night, how 
possibly some of the symbolism we're referring to is around Ursa Major. The because the Arga in the Hindi tradition is that spoon looking thing, which I can show here. Yeah, this. And if you just look at that and then look what's on her dress, it's not a hundred percent a match, but we're in a similar ballpark here for sure. Right. That's kind of a scoop shape to it, but also reminds one of a leaf. But that's part of the same symbolism too. I mean, we're talking about the Libra Potter, the one who gives the letters or the runes. Yes. And also we're partaking. You know, anybody watching that, we're consuming this uh this forbidden fruit, you could say. Uh, and also, I totally see that it is that spoon. It is like, you know, uh, uh, a power implement that you would use to scoop things with. But I can't help but see that it's on her belly button. It's on her navel point. It's, huh. on, her, it's on her dantian. Yeah, which, it's very explicitly so. That's yes. a really good point. I'll pull this up. Polymath thing just dropped a bomb for us here with a Welsh word for druid. <laughs> His word backwards. <laughs> okay. That's a dude. That's an amazing. Uh, thank you for that info. Out this is park. why we need you people because there's too out many the, connections for us to is, handle. That is out of the park. Polymathing. Yeah. Thank you. That is glorious. Absolutely so glorious. I, I, I want to bring an old weave that uh, from one of your previous shows, Chance, about how the word Dantian translates to the field of um, uh, red mercury comes from a plant called uh, cinnabar. Cinnabar. Cinnabar field. So the word Dantian, which is your umbilical, the navel, it, it translates to the phrase, the field of cinnabar, where red mercury comes from. And you had you had that guest on that shared that nugget with us a long time ago. John right? Monroe. John Monroe, nice. Young teacher extraordinaire. Yes. Well, that was right in the time where I don't know how sworn to secrecy I am on this, but I was participating in a private uh, uh, show uh, presentation where a fellow was uh, demonstrating how to uh, use mercury that is extracted from cinnabar and put it through a uh, Tesla coil process uh, with a lot of details and uh, time scales and energy levels to change mercury into gold. And some of the ingredients, he was not looking at his own work with the, with the esoteric eyeball. He was just revealing, telling us the process very, you know, um, uh, Straight, straightforward, grounded perspective. But he was using words like crucible and a nail, a sacred nail to the crucible. And when the nail goes into the crucible, it converts the mercury into gold uh, over a prolonged period of time in a safe environment. Do not try this at home. This is not medical advice. <laughs> but, but I found it quite fascinating that cinnabar is the or, the source of mercury if you wanted to get some for yourself it had all of these ingredients of the crucifixion and then it was a week later that your buddy was telling us about this dantian meaning the field of cinnabar uh so that's just fascinating because the lady with the thing on her belly there the golden the golden leaf 
on her navel, she's wearing red, like a big field of cinnabar, you could say. That's a pretty good point, actually. Yeah, all this scarlet woman symbolism. You know, I don't pretend to know what the plan is behind all that, <laughs> like what they want out of people for that. Uh, other than it does seem like a pretty viable conspiracy theory that all this fertility ritual stuff right before Valentine's Day is a plot by Scorpios to make more Scorpios. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty like <laughs> pretty likely. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and that's the that's what Valentine's Day is. Didn't you know? That's where that holiday comes from. It's a secret oh, plot. My goodness. I love that. I love that. <laughs> See, I was, I'm just still taking in my realization that in Aquarius, we're on the opposite end from the heart, from the lion, the Leo, the heart center of the, of the anatomical Zodiac. But I love that somebody pointed out that it's a, a plot to make more Scorpios, more Judas Iscariots. It's working. <laughs> you know another um this is matheson's take david matheson in his norse star myths of the world volume four but he says that you can actually attribute the three fates norns as the three segments of ophiuchus potentially it's either that it's Oph the three points, parts of Ophiuchus, or it's Ophiuchus, Sagittarius, and another constellation. I'm not Libra? remembering off the top of my head. Oh, Hercules? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Hercules. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe. it's They're all three together. I could just yeah. tell you right now what he says it was. He you makes know, a that, good argument. That, that neighborhood, right in that triune area, is the, that is the node for the uh, eclipses, the uh, lunar standstills in particular. There's one right there in around Ophiuchus, and then the other lunar standstill is up right around uh, Ariga and uh, Taurus. They're also good candidates for this because they're at the base of the tree. If you look at the band of stars of the Milky Way, the heavy band, mm -hmm. as the Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil of the world mm -hmm. tree. They're hanging out right at the base of it. Right. Oh, yeah. So, oh, this is interesting. So if uh, Valentine's Day produces lots of babies, then those placentas would be getting buried over in the Ophiuchus season. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Should be getting buried. This, this is advice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to play. We have about two and a half minute from... Our guy, Alan Marcus, figured he would be good for this conversation, but he oh, gave yeah. us a voicemail. The good old AM Morningstar, Alan Marcus himself. AlanMarcus.com. Yeah, AlanMarcus.com. We're about to hear from him. Pretty sure he's looked at demonia, pandemonia as an idea before, which we still need to maybe flesh out a little better as a concept, because I think it ties into your... Enneagram work really, really succinctly. But let's see what Alan had to say to us here. Dude, great minds think alike for sure. I got the invite to the Vibrant. And Wednesdays are very busy for me. I've been getting out and 
talking with people. So I've been unable to make them. I, I miss them so much. And on the topic of tonight being pandemonium, well, hmm. <laughs> I guess great minds think alike. And in working on the hypersigil for Weaving Spiders Welcome, that is the topic of the the exploration, the demic of pan, pandemonium, the demonic, and the viral, mimetic nature of these ideas and the idea of virology and toxicity and bad actors with bad intentions creating these narratives that are highly imaginative, but with just a wink and a nudge and subtle suggestion create hysteria. This hypnotic state of lockstep line dancing and knowing where the lines are and being fearful of ever crossing them because of some dictate from on high from a health organization or some such thing. We know that these ideas will continue, and I've said 2023 will be the strangest year I've ever lived through, and we will live through it. So again, great minds think alike. The synchronized thought processes of exploring these ideas in a community is of great value. I appreciate all of you for expanding my consciousness to consider new ideas and to see where all of this is leading us towards. <laughs> he always knows how to... <laughs> Use his voice in uh, <laughs> very Dude, interesting ways. Thanks, Alan. Great. Oh, did I just Thanks make it play life. again? For sure. Oh, it's on a loop. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a loop button. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for the call. We have one from 42. I'm still trying to prep it up. My software right. did a weird thing. We'll get to so yours. So the other the other night I randomly reached out to Alan. I forget the sequence of of info that we were flowing on there, but I think uh yeah I don't know how it started, but I just shot him kind of a fun little graphic that I was experimenting with, which is a an image of a nun, and I think she's famous. Like some people were talking, like I brought it on the vibrant, and some people were like, "Oh, that's Kate Spade or somebody I don't know, somebody famous." as a nun, but I sent it to him with the Enneagram around her habit in the shape of her habit actually adheres to, uh, just ever so slightly. It adheres to the angles of the Enneagram image. And so I, and then I put at the bottom, uh, nine habits of will, uh, because there's so many ways, there's so many ways to describe the Enneagram. It's like nine vices and virtues is a really good way to encapsulate it. Uh, but I put nine habits of will because the habit is the the garb that the uh, the nun wears. And sure enough, it turns out Alan was watching 
some series about a kung fu nun. And uh, <laughs> it was, something it was, you would watch. It was like the most random sync that he was actually watching it. I had no idea. And here I am sending him a, a pandemonium panda nun image uh, right on right on cue. Big love, Alan. Yeah, that's great. So, Gabriel, give us some of your thoughts on on more of these recent media events. I mean, yeah. we don't need to belabor talking about things that other people talk about a lot, but like what's really caught your eye in all of the pandemonium of of current events, you know? Well, uh, you know, we can start with the balloon, uh the balloons plural. You know, this is um correspondent powerfully. We kind of sussed this out about a week ago that uh, that is the uh, star card of the Thoth deck. It's very unique and different from other tarot cards and tarot decks. The star card of the Thoth deck is a, a goddess with uh, two, uh, two sacred cups, uh, vessels, and she's uh, pouring one out and pouring one down on herself, and she's, she almost looks pregnant with meaning. Her belly is nice and round. Uh, but she's backdropped by a very large full moon. And it's a really powerful image. Uh, and we were uh, relating that to the image of the hot air balloon that uh, was catching so many people's minds. Because even the arms of the alleged satellite or whatever that thing was uh, were at a kilter, uh, much like this goddess holding one cup up and one cup down. So I just have kind of been building on that, you know, uh, this balloon rising, the Babylon rising ritual that Crowley did uh, is very much alive and well in the in that deck. Um, and so it brings to light in my mind the fact that Aquarius, this season we're in, it's an air element. And so there will be a lot of spellcraft around things in the air. Uh, an air of uh, intimidation or doom or uh, whatever it takes to drum up uh, the louche from the masses. And, you know, that is very much what the superb owl does every year at this time of year on cue. Uh, and so another element about this, every year we're going to go through this. We have in the past, this is a special year, like Alan said, two, two, three. 2023 is a special number. Um, Just makes but, me think of how in 2020 they gave us the fear of things in the air quite powerfully at around this time of yeah, year. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Uh, so uh, it being the Aquarian age, as we're told, it double it doubles down. Nice. Nice, man. Uh, yeah. It doubles up on that air element. Um, so when we had the uh, train wreck sending a mushroom cloud up into the sky and dark, ominous, and uh, toxic air vapor, it was almost like um, it was the, the ground had been laid with all of the masking and the corona and the airborne pathogens. The ground had been laid and seeded for two years with uh, uh, very cheaply, I might add, with all of the theatrics around corona. And so now having a, uh, a huge explosion in Ohio is a bit of a wake-up call for a lot of people uh, 
that this could be the big the big one to be worried about. And uh, I I will point out that Ohio means good morning in Japanese. Ohio Kozaimas means uh, good morning, sir. Kindly good morning. Um, so yeah, uh, it is just fascinating that all of the air elements are have been weaponized uh, pretty soundly, and um, uh, and I love to think about the fact that if we can stay in tune with where we are on the sky clock, then we can feel a sense of, um, I, I guess, uh, magical affluence or, you know, the symbolic literacy at least gives us context. So it doesn't seem like it's coming out of nowhere. And we can even stay, we can uh, at least make some sense of what seems like utter pandemonium and chaos. It actually makes perfect sense because we're in this air element. And I keep joking that when we go into Pisces next month, uh, it's going to be uh, submarines. It's going to be things that have to do with water. It'll be floods, torrential downpours, you know, and the tune will shift as the sky clock rolls through. Um, so the good news is uh, it's not the end of the world, and we have plenty of battles ahead of us uh, as we move forward. Uh, but you can expect them to resonate with uh, the magical systems and the elemental correspondences. She just yeah. made this comment about Ben having a train wreck on his way to Flattoberfest. That's true, too. Oh, I, that was prophetic. Good point. So what I want to go over for you here is, I think, something overlooked about this whole train situation and all the train derailments that seem to happen. You know, I think people have probably heard that there was a movie with the exact, not the exact, but basically the same exact plot called White Noise. <laughs> like a couple of years ago in the same place, even in the movie plot that there was, I didn't watch the movie, so I can't verify this, but that's the word that goes around that this was already presaged, presaged in a, you know, Hollywood spellcraft. But what often gets overlooked is that many words that are used in our current world preexist our usage of the word in very fascinating ways. So, <laughs> What does train mean? <laughs> I think people are going to have two answers. They're going to say it's, you know, choo-choo, Thomas the Tank Engine. And it is to improve yourself on something or to learn a skill, right? Those are the two senses of training. But let's, I'm going to just go over a few of the, like, I might have to go over them one or two at a time and then respond to them. Because there are so many definitions for the word train in Webster's 1828 dictionary. So, <laughs> all right. So the first meaning, number numero uno, train, to draw along. So that fits kind of like what we understand. But check this out. Here's what they give, what, what Noah Webster gives, Noah <laughs> Webster gives as his sentence example. In hollow cube, he trained his devilish enginery. What? <laughs> what? Moment. In hollow cube, he trained his devilish enginery. I'll put it. Oh, up man. Oh, so many thoughts. That's from eight, what year? 1828. Wow. 
Uh, that didn't do the spaces right, but you can see. In Hollow Cube, he trained his devilish engineering. I don't even that, know what that's from. That is, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's probably from some writing back then. Well, uh, it makes me think of the fact that Saturn right now went is behind the sun. I, do they call that conjunct? Kazemi. Kazemi. Oh, yeah. that's what that means. Kazemi. Yeah. It's when it's obscured by the sun. Ah, okay. So yeah, so that makes me. That's what that makes me think of. Nice. And hollow cube. Like what? <laughs> hollow cube. What? Okay, devilish engineering. I'm just like blown away by that first one. All right, definition number two. Top draw to entice, to allure. So the example, if but 12 French were there in arms, they would be as a call to train 10,000 English to their side. So now we're dealing with the definition that has to do with alluring something, enticement. <laughs> All right, so definition number three, to draw by artifice or stratagem. Artifice or stratagem, okay. Here's the sentence example. Oh, train me not, sweet mermaid, with thy note. (laughs) So we got siren now coming into the mix. (laughs) Siren symbolism here. It's so fun that the examples are so mystically supercharged. You know, yeah, no kidding. It's like the, the definition is mundane or earthly, but then the example takes it into the spiritual. That's great. So then the fourth definition is to draw from act to act by persuasion or promise. We did train him on. So that seems like the like this, we're getting railroaded here for sure. The public is anyway to draw from act to act by persuasion or promise. And then the fifth definition is where you get sort of the idea that we understand about training in turn <laughs> to exercise, to discipline, to teach and form by practice, as to train the militia to the manual exercise, to train soldiers to the use of arms and tactics. Genesis fourteen fourteen, Abram armed his trained servants. And then the next definitions are like to break, tame, and accustomed to draw as oxen. Seven, in gardening, to lead or direct and form to a wall or espalier, espalier, I don't know that word, to form to a proper shape by growth, lopping or pruning, as to train young trees. In mining, to trace a load or any mineral appearance to its head. (laughs) So get in mind, there's just so much here. But what I find fascinating is is that train is a stratagem of enticement. Because doesn't that just tell you what it's really about with all the the training they're doing? Very interesting. And, you know, in the conspiratorial circles, we know that they love to run training exercises uh, right in parallel with uh, so many of the events. So we've been entrained to uh, perceive that term as, uh, you know, the fingerprints that something is quite afoot. Something I've been thinking about a lot, especially with the pandemonium on my mind, is the scene where in Ghostbusters, where the all the ghosts escape out of the containment unit, and then they start flying around the city and causing all this havoc, much like we were talking about, you know, the ancestors uh, coming back, being dishonored for so long that it builds up this uh, this anticipation of the truth filling in. 
in a, a deluge of truth, in fact, as people uh, wake up to the fact they've been lied to so long. So the fact that it's a training and then the word exercise, I'm thinking of it in the aspect of to cast out the demons, the training exercise. And so a lot of people are so triggered, uh, rightly so. You know, if there's if the animals are really dying and there's chemicals in the air, that black cloud, you know, it's uh, coming right off of the uh, the Turkey, uh, the the earthquake in Turkey where the earth opened up. And speaking of turkeys, okay, so we just went over train definitions that are verbs, uh-huh. but as a noun, it's a stratagem of enticement. Yes, something drawn along behind. The end of a gown, et cetera, the train of a gown or robe. Okay, we know that one. But the second train is the tail of a fowl, like a bird. Like the tail is a train and mm-hmm. it's like a rudder of a ship. Mm-hmm. And then, so now there's also the definition a series, a, con- a consecuation uh, or succession of connected things. So we're running a train on synchronicities all the time. <laughs> A succession of connected things. And then another definition is a retinue, a number of followers or attendants. Um, you know, then a process, a method, a course. This is also a train. But what I wanted, why I interrupted is because I, how I could connect this to the demonia idea is that what I think, what I think the, cause I try to put myself in the head of why, what's the ideology? that leads you to actually try to kill everybody and destroy everything. You know, don't you live here? (laughs) Isn't that going to affect you too? Mr. Kill all, uh, kill all humans, whoever you are. And so I think that, I think the philosophy is that as pandemonia swells with the souls of the dead heroes or, you know, people that this constitutes the, term of pregnancy of the goddess that as more and more of the destruction of the world ensues that the beings that were formerly here, formerly alive are like into the womb of the goddess. And then once everything's destroyed and everybody's dead and everything's drowned in underwater metaphorically or burned up or whatever version it is, then she has completed her pregnancy Everything that was in the external world is now removed to the world of the ideal, you know, in this womb, metaphysically speaking. And then, so it's like, basically, what's the end goal of all of these orgs? They promise utopia, right? They promise the world will improve this progress, this process, (laughs) this train that we're on that seems to be faster and faster speeding up towards some kind of obliteration moment derailment that I think the ideology might be that if they destroy it all, that then the goddess or the create the generative power of the cosmos will kick in and be like, all right, it's all gone. Let's restart it. And then we'll have the perfect golden age world again, where everything is here and nothing has been lost yet. We started all over. It's like they're trying, this is, is this the great reset? I think this is the great reset, dude. I think this is the great reset. I think this may be actually believed by these weird, you know, pseudo Gnostic, uh, shadowy figures behind all the pollution and death and destruction. 
but I don't know. can't prove it, but I think that might be the philosophy. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. You know, in my, uh, one of the things that the Enneagram, uh, has brought forward for me, and it's, it is a long story, uh, and very hard to convey the train of my thinking, <laughs> but, um, uh, I've essentially corresponded uh, the characters of the world stage to the personality types. And uh, one thing that was really fascinating is that the, uh, the presidential lineage actually uh, sequentially follows along so that the uh, Barack Obama was a seven. He was a cancer. He corresponds with chariot card number seven. There's so much Barack Obama in there. I could go for days, uh, but you got to take my word on it. Um, and then um, Trump is an eight. He he's the challenger, um, the Saturnian. You know, Trump ate McDonald's every night. Mac means son of, so Donald was eating the son of Donald every night. You know, his hair swoosh is like the rings of Saturn. He's like rocking the Saturnian iconography and the spirit of the concept. And then, uh, and then we go to number nine at the top, the pinnacle the slothful one, the balanced peacemaker, and that's Biden. Uh, Biden is much like Hades. He's much like Pluto, which is another name for Hades. So like when you're saying reset, in the Enneagram presidential arc of personas, we're going from the nine to the one. And that is really interesting because uh, another lens to put onto the, the Enneagram is music. And you can put the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do around on the Enneagram, Do being the top, and the next station is Re. So we're making the reset. We're going to the Re set, and we're going to the uh, to the one. And so I'm not trying to like uh, make predictions or divine future outcomes, uh, but what the Enneagram thing makes me suspect might be in order is uh, uh, I think we're going to see a um, we're going to see war. Number one is a perfectionist has a shadow of wrath, and it's also the fool card. Um, but in that position, on the person personalities on the world stage, I can't unsee Tulsi Gabbard as the uh, somehow uh, taking taking the throne next, um, and that's just fascinating for me. Uh, I can't think of a better uh, candidate. Uh, because she's uh, she's basically fucking Wonder Woman. Uh, she, <laughs> uh, they made the Wonder Woman film as she was throttled onto the world stage. The Wonder Woman series was uh, was marketed uh, in stride with her career. Um, she was she comes from Hawaii, which is fascinating because there's this relationship between Athena, who is also this number one perfectionist, defensive warrior. Um, and she has an interesting relationship with Hephaestus, who is Vulcan, the volcano. Well, the name Gabbard is interesting because it's like Gab speech and Bard. Yeah, <laughs> Gab, Bard. I don't know. I don't yeah, know much about. Speaker. I don't know much about the geopolitical scene, to be honest. So I can't comment on Tulsi. Yeah, she's a. Uh, yeah, she. I got a feeling she's she's lining up. It'll, uh, I'm guessing it'll be her and Booty Judge. <laughs> Peter Booty Judge, what a name! Total construct. Uh, 
do you want to uh, pop up any of those graphics from the telly? Uh, we can, uh, I can riff through that Rihanna graphic. I tried to put it all in one quick shot. Um, Alrighty. Hmm. Just scrolling up. Okay, yeah, there's a lot going on with this. Okay, I'll pull this up. Thank yeah. you, buddy. Yeah, I tried to do it all in one go so we didn't spend too much time or give too much loose to the old uh, halftime show. But Oh, my God, <laughs> Sterling. <laughs> hey, Sterling. My, oh, uh, my sister's about to have a, a baby. I'm about to be an uncle, and they're going to name him Sterling. So right on. Good name. It's my so, grandpa's name. So you know what? I'm glad you said this, Sterling. So Tulsi's name in reverse is I slut. <laughs> Her oh name God. in reverse is Isla. And here we have uh, it, now that's that's also a little island, an isle, an islet, a little island also. Uh, so there's there's more to it than the prof- profane. There's also profound in there, too. But here we're about to talk about a slut. We're about to talk about the horror Babylon in this uh, halftime show. So that is really something. I just couldn't um, believe all the close up grabbing the Yoni shots. How many kids are watching that? But I guess I shouldn't put anything past them at this right. point. But it's it's mind blowing. Well, I saw that is uh she's got crabs. <laughs> <laughs> she's got the and that's what the cancer symbol appears for. Okay. That's what the cancer was for, which We've uh, we've woven on how it was the top of the arch shape that they made out of all those platforms, which is real arch. Yes. And so she's much like Mrs. Claus. You know, she's dressed in red. She's a gift giver. Uh, But can you zoom in on the top left uh, image I put I put together? These dudes are wearing some kind of weird freaking crop top. Whatever. I don't even want to. I don't even want to dignify it. There's like a fishnet thing going on. Yes. And so it generates on all of them. There is a keystone shape. There's a trapezoid and it is framing their navel, their belly button, their dantian, their hara center. And that is really significant to me because we know about the power of the placenta. And I see a lot of placenta magic going on with this particular uh, ritual. Uh, and I, uh, I've, I actually uh, want to point out we're on the 50 yard line. We're at the halftime show. We're at the liminal space. We're at the place center. We're at the center place. This is the center of your mind. This is the center of your body. They're coming at you. Uh, even when you're shooting uh, 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 a bad guy or a, an assailant, you want to aim for center mass. All of these things are where the magic is done. We're in the liminal space in between the 50 50. Uh, and it keeps you uh, one foot in, one foot out. You're, uh, they're kind of catching you off balance. That is actually in self-defense. We train people when you're in a liminal space, getting in or out of your car, when you're going in or out of your house, when you're opening your security gate, you have your head on a swivel because that's where mercury comes and uh, the point of exchange and, and steals from you. And that is what criminals live by that. They know your vulnerable moment. And that vulnerable moment is when you're in a transitional space. So it's so profound that Mercury is this ancient myth, but criminals still live by the, the mojo of Mercury in a major way. So I thought I would uh, throw that together. And then I, uh, can you zoom back out? 
Do you, do you, am I bringing up anything? Do you got some thoughts? Oh, just that like all these sperm dancers are, <laughs> they're the dead heroes, the dead arrows, the right. past eras. Yes. The arrows that shoot <laughs> from your, you know, your, your bow, your weapon, yes. the, the mast of your, of your boat, if you will. Uh, and she even, you know, she even sang this song, shine bright like a diamond. I'm like, oh my gosh, shine bright like a diamond. You know, yeah, she's buddy. like creating constellation shape in the sky on these floating glowing platforms with these, it, here, these sperm guys on the platforms too. I'm just thinking this is it, man. This, there, this is a song about exactly what I'm talking about. Demonia. Yes. That, Shine bright like a diamond. Be yeah. remembered. Be <laughs> infamous if you have to. And then that's what kind of lets you keep living past your expiration date until the next turn on the wheel and you reincarnate into the regenerated world. I mean, by their ideology. I'm not saying I believe right. that. Right. So uh, another song she talked about. Bring Gordy on here. He's got some like breaking news, but continue. We'll get him in here in a second. Yeah. Gordy, be ready. I'm going to shoot you a link soon. Uh, so she, uh, there's another song has to do with an umbrella and I forget which song that was, but when she says umbrella, I know we're talking about, uh, masters of psychology. The umbrella is, uh, indelibly linked to, uh, Sigmund Freud as one of his, uh, most powerful critics was being very funny and said something along the lines of, I don't want a, uh, swish, a sw no, 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 a Venetian shrink to get anywhere near me with his phallic umbrella. <laughs> it, it, that joke is, uh, that quote, I'm fucking it up pretty bad, but the quote is really funny. And so forever, uh, uh, Freud has the mantle of the umbrella, which is, uh, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. But if you, if you close your mind off to the magic of, uh, of the seventh hermetic principle, that all is gender, then you are closing your uh, perception off to a very magical worldview. I always say that, you know, Freud deniers are, are magically retarded. You know, if you, turn, uh, if you dismiss Freud too readily, then you're not going to have a very magical worldview and you won't see the way things are working on the subtle to inform the gross. So yeah, that shit, the fact that she sings about the umbrella is pretty compelling to me. But then, you know, I thought I was done with that graphic and the sperm thing is pretty obvious. But it was later on in the day, I had to redo the graphic because it, I, it occurred to me, all of her dancers are uh, very, you know, obedient. For one, they're all lockstep. They're, they're not deviating. So they're all groupthink, right? That's part of the spell. But they're also almost uniformly black dudes wearing white gear, baggy white gear that doesn't really fit. And then I realized the color scheme is a perfect correspondence to the Fabian society. And I realized, regardless of, the, of any racial race baiting that may uh, enter people's mind, you can remove yourself from that and consider, did they all have to be black so that they could relay this symbol, this flag, this claim, this heraldry of the Fabian society? of which uh, there's quite a few famous people. Uh, Rachel Maddow comes to mind right away. 
So I threw the uh, Fabian Society flag on here so people can maybe consider. Do you think maybe that was symbolically being conveyed under underneath the profane? Was there something more profound hiding in there? And then I, I'm tripping on the one moment she like breaks character, right? It, she's doing all this dancing. She's on cue. She's like the timing. And the, I mean, it was it was pretty uh, flawless the way yeah, that everybody yeah. was synced up. Well, Sometimes I, I mean, people say about these type of performers yeah. that, or they sometimes themselves say that like something comes over them or takes over. Right. Or they invite something in to take over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know, I know the flow state can feel like that too. Yeah. So I'm not just dismissing out of hand that maybe they're just skilled and well-practiced, but yeah, also man. all the ritualism of this makes me wonder if there isn't an on purpose calling in of one of these for lack of a better word demons you know right previous right. previously living human beings is <laughs> a better way of putting it we're calling them demons it's not like in the christian sense or the catholic sense but mm-hmm. dude did you pick this image in the, the main image because you can see so clearly that ma ria is standing on a mirror yeah, buddy. She's on a mirror. And then Andy pointed out, Andrea pointed out that her leg shape in the mirror make a diamond too. So trapezoid Excellent. time. Excellent. Nice. I did not see that. And it's a diamonds are red. Trapezoid down here in the shape if you like, you know, connect the dots. Right. And so since we're in the winter right now, we're still in diamonds. Diamonds are uh, ind- indicate the um, the earth elements and the winter that we're in still. So the one moment she breaks character really hits a chord for me um, because she uh, takes a moment to actually pick up a makeup case from one of the blokes next to her and she adjusts her makeup with a makeup kit. And you can see the reflection of the mirror on her face when she does it. Um, And this is uh, where things get kind of creepy and dark, but we know that the, uh, that all of the flesh on the uh, on the medical industrial market is uh, is utilized, and so this is where the placenta is. It wouldn't be a, a slick dissonant show without some placenta. Uh, she's actually selling makeup when she does that in the uh, self image and the uh, the need to take a moment and remain flawless. You can't let the the, the facade down. Well, she's actually uh, selling placenta in that moment when she puts the makeup on and i'll also point out that make m a k that's a mk mk ultra makeup kit and so the kit hit a chord for me because of the kite which is a bootes boootes is the kite of the heavens a kite is a diamond shape and a kite is a diamond shape and and it is called the great void and so when she's checking herself out and putting on the makeup, she's an empty vessel. She's a void. She's, she's devoid of whatever, a, a soul. She, she's emptied her, herself out. And something else is, uh, is being revealed in that moment. So I just thought I would throw that all in there. And then that moment when the guys do the, the headstands, uh, that was really interesting. I'm a little foggy on the details, but I'm pretty sure there was a pope who was being walked to his death. But before they took him to the guillotine, they showed him a field where his loved ones had been buried upside down. 
and their mm-hmm. legs their legs were sticking up out of the earth. And so that's kind of what I saw as she's walking through with these inverted fellas and their legs flipping and flopping in the sky. So <laughs> that's all really good. The Boates is an interesting link. I'm also still crying. Like crunching on that boetes in Greek would be pronounced votes, votes, like the B. They don't do B in in ancient Greek. It's a V sound. And then the Pelasgi or the Phoenician would flip that B into a P. So, oh, so it's like a po- the poets, poetes, poetes. It's Poetic. That's yeah. That's and to like pot, pot uh, is also a Buddha, one of the thousand names for Buddha. But you know, back to the overall thing of the Super Bowl, <laughs> there was a lot of moments in the commercials or just in the plot of the drama that was the superb owl that were called hearkening us back to this whole idea of the regeneration of the world. One of the very first commercials in the whole shebang was a commercial for avocados that they decided the best way to sell avocados would be to do like a 60 or 90 second commercial about Adam and Eve committing the original sin in the garden. But then they eat avocados and that fixes their original sin and everyone (laughs) can go back to being naked. And so then it's like it skips from the Garden of Eden to like New York City and everyone's naked. And the Statue of Liberty, the SOL, the soul, is naked. <laughs> what? This is a Haas Avocados commercial. Really fucking strange. Oh, my gosh. I'm kind of glad I missed it, but I'm also glad you told me about it. <laughs> I know. It's almost worth like trying to find and watch it. But I don't want to give <laughs> them free uh, free replay of their ad. Yeah. But it was super weird. <laughs> <laughs> super man weird. that is and you know that's a that is a real trip that hits home for me because i'm uh i'm doing analysis on paradise lost right now and so i'm looking at the uh the repackaging of the genesis story uh the way that uh milton uh brought it forward in uh 1667 and that would be the year after the london fires and this is a very important year. Anybody who studied their sovereignty, they know that the birth certification uh, was initiated uh, in that year when they, you know, when they, that's when so many people became lost at sea or claimed to be, you know, there was a claim put out that they were lost at sea uh, because of uh, loss of birth records. There's so much more to what really happened in that time. Uh, but you could say that in London, pandemonium had broken out and people saw it firsthand and, and had a uh, an actual visual uh, frame of reference. And so when uh, John, when Milton put out Paradise Lost, it was right in the wake of the 1666 London fires and people could actually perceive the fires of hell and the the burning in the brimstone. They actually had a frame of reference for that. And so it uh, very much was riding on the psychic waves of some real events that had happened uh, in the year uh, that he was uh, launching the the, uh, Paradise Lost. 
which uh, is actually a, a sympathetic retelling from the perspective of Satan. And I'm learning so much by going through this poem, uh, because I know that um, Satan, uh, he's cast down. I'm, I'm, uh, in, I'm just going to run through some of the details really quick, but you will hear some of the ingredients of the Enneagram here. And uh, I, I haven't flushed it all the way out, but I think Milton uh, may have known about the Enneagram. He might have known that the Greeks had established it very clearly in the Plato's Republic. Uh, in my work with the symposium, in, uh, in my mind, is the origin of the Enneagram. Uh, but I think Milton was actually trying to dismantle it and break it up and make chaos out of it. Uh, because the way that he t- uh, reveals it is a disjointed, uh, a disjointed but still true to some of the signs and symbols of it. So it's really convoluted, and I haven't gotten all the all the receipts on this, but the, uh, the, the fallen ones, they fall for nine days, take some nine days to fall. They land in hell and then they lay about for nine days. Well, sloth is number nine on the Enneagram. So for them to be laying about doing nothing for nine days, it, uh, right there is the very pinnacle, the top of the Enneagram, uh, slothful is number nine. Yeah. And even just the fall for nine days. Right. How does NASA fake their zero gravity? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they do those high altitude planes. And so basically the people in the plane are just falling. Right. And so that fall, there's an interesting parallel between falling, descending, and stasis, floating, slothfulness, what you're talking about. Right. I wonder, I feel like. gravity. Yeah. I feel like the uh, the moon mission came back nine hours early. Really, I, I feel like I remember that from my random Apollo trivia. I think they came back nine hours before they were scheduled to, which is just an interesting because it has kind of a something, yeah, it has a resonance to it. Um, so then uh, Satan has a uh, he uh, has his minions build pandemonium. And this is the house of all demons in Greek. It means the house of all spirits in Latin. Uh, and if you ask anybody in modern days, they would just say that it's the capital of hell. And yes, it's very interesting how the translation has changed over time. Um, but I look at pandemonium and I see all women's yoni. Pan is all. Uh, dem is ladies yonium is all the women's vaginas and that's pretty profound that they yeah because that, through there through that portal any soul could come forth technically it's like they're all in there which is yeah. exactly what i'm talking about that's the microcosm of the mythical goddess who's holding in her womb all of the demons or the dead spirits of the dead yes until they regenerate and, and this, I'm thinking, is the original programming for birth control. This is designed to uh, seed people's uh, minds with fears that your baby might not be uh, wonderful or that, uh, that all birthing processes need to be a medical emergency. You know, and this is why Hollywood echoes over and over and over that 
uh, every time a child is born, it has to be, you know, guns blazing and things exploding in the background. And they really pull those cords uh, for the sake of entertainment. But it's uh, it's just accumulated to such a degree at this point uh, that it's it's preposterous. It's uh, and it's kind of uh, it's almost abusive, I would say. Oh, almost. <laughs> we can call a we can call a fucked up spade a spade. You know, <laughs> it just totally. That's a really good. That's a really good weave that this may be the idea of birth control. I see yeah. that. I'll see that. So Gordy's getting more info about his breaking news. We'll have to see him get in here <laughs> whenever he has a moment. Uh, if we can, that's okay. If he can't. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to keep going through Paradise Lost or, or do you we, want? Yeah. Well, can you bring that uh, last graphic you had up? I'll just explain some of that. Uh, what I've done is taken images from the London fire that are, you know, well-known paintings. Damn, of I that. figured that those were just pictures of hell. <laughs> right. Well, I've put them next to hell so that uh, we can see. So this top one is an actual uh, visual account of the London fire. And something that gets me is how it actually shows, you know, you can see it looks like they're inside of a cave. They're like there's so much smoke that uh, that it feels like they're inside of an enclosed space. You could say they're in a sacred womb of sorts and the fire is burning and they're, you know, they're uh, seeding the collective with the idea that, you know, the devil is about is upon us in the, you know, uh, very much like uh, in Matrix when they're going to black out the sky uh, so that the so that the computers can start harvesting humans any day. Uh, and then if you scroll down a little more, this one is also a London fire image, but I can't help but see how there's like uh, the way the buildings are portrayed. They kind of look demonic, like, you know, agonizing faces in the fires of hell. Uh, there's actually crosses on the horizon. Um, but then I put this uh, black and white graphic on the side because if you look at the throne of of Satan there behind him, it actually kind of has the um, the petals almost of yes, the world's fire fairs. That's right, yes, the world on fire. Um, but yeah, uh, behind his throne, he actually has what almost could be the petals of the enneagram. You know, I think of it as like the uh, more of a, the peacock of Hera, uh, but it's just interesting how it, Who, uh, very, Hera, by the way, is Hela in the Norse. Oh, nice. Yes, that's so true. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I just threw that together because uh, it does almost have the petals of the Enneagram. It's not an Enneagram image, but it's pretty close uh, on his throne. And then down underneath this. Umbrella, is, Ella, Ella, hey, hey. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Hey, which is an H to Ella. So it is Hella. Hella. That's right. That is so right. It's so it's so fascinating. Uh, so then if you go to the bottom, that is an actual image of the pandemonium where Satan is addressing all of the demons at once. And uh, you see he has, a, uh, again, a very interesting fan there uh, in his hands. It could be construed as a shield. Looks like uh, a but, shield and a spear to me, which yeah. is also your arc and mast symbolism. Hole in the hole. Yeah. Like, I'm not even saying it's like that. I'm saying that this, the shield and a spear are 
a symbolic match for the ark, the mast yeah. and the boat, the hull and the pole. Yes. And that's how they used to get the, uh, the war drums going, banging your spears on the shield. That's uh, saber rattling, uh, which Tulsi Gabbard, by the way, her name also has kind of saber rattle somewhere in there. Uh, I have to dig up. Uh, I think I made an Enneagram out of her full name once, but I'll, I'll, get, the, I'll get back on everybody with that. So, yeah, Pandemonium uh, very much was uh, riding on the psychic waves of the fear from uh, 1666 London fires where the birth certification uh, was initiated. This is where they started to launch prize law onto the open waters uh, and start making claims on people's rights uh, in a, in a, in mass in a huge way. But then another event that I find really fascinating about 1666 has to do with Sabbatai Zeti and this uh, coming of a Messiah in that day where uh, people really believed that it was time to return to the promised land. People, Jews from all, all directions around the map were packing up they were getting ready to come back to uh new jerusalem because the you know their messiah had really come and so one of the things they were doing this is so so wild uh as a sign of their proof of their um fidelity or their faith as a proof of faith they were removing their rooftops from their domiciles uh and some people said oh yeah they think that their god's going to come and pick them up and carry them away so they take off their roof as a sign of i'm ready come and get me but then a weird thing when the london fires rip through there's actually certain neighborhoods that don't have a roof to catch on fire and so the fire actually dodges them in a fascinating way uh so there's something really interesting about the london fires the, the craze of sabotage eddie the coming of a of the demonic devil whatever uh, blaming the Jews for a default on on the loans, you know the old classic thing that happens time and time again. Uh, and in hindsight, looking back and thinking, oh, was the removal of the roofs strategic? It's a very fascinating thing to consider. Uh, but yeah, sabotage Eddie. Then he goes off and becomes a Muslim, converts to Muslim, and because uh, he got threatened by bows and arrows. It's a yeah. It's just a fascinating time. My force converted is maybe the story. Right. Uh, Yeah. So I often think of St. Sebastian, who was martyred by arrows and Sabbatai having a lot in common. But yeah, just very interesting that, you know, the pandemonium spell and the drumming up uh, concern and vilifying thy neighbor and uh, uh, casting the devil into the other. You know the othering of people. Uh, it's a it's an ancient trope. It, it's been it's been played out in a really profound way. And then one other weave before I walk away from that, <laughs> from 1666, and a pox on both your houses. P O X is a 16 and a 66. So pox uh, actually is a 1666 code. The word pox. So there was wow. Yeah, there was a plague back uh, back there, but. The one other thing I'm seeing is that the devils in Milton's Paradise Lost, they can't say the name of God. They're unable to. And this, again, casts a shady demonic light on people who can't say the name of God or even Muslims who won't even look at the face of God and will string you up if you 
depict him as an artistically. So there's something really fascinating about Paradise Lost that has a lot to do with demonizing those who can't even say the name of God or won't look at God, you know? Well, the name and, is also the image. It's the likeness of. Totally. Like a, name, a, a name is a likeness, legally speaking. Yes. And this, this, come, this plays into something you brought up a while back on the spiders that I really love. It's like, if you think of the Abrahamic religions as a, as a triangle, there are certain aspects of their spiritual expression that no, when you move away from one that you don't resonate with, you end up inevitably landing on another one. If you, <laughs> if you try to move away from that one, you, get, you end up over here as a Muslim and you're like bouncing between Catholic, Muslim, Jew, Catholic, Muslim, Jew, and you can't get away to find what resonates with you. You always end up in one camp or another. The irony so I, of the irony of it all is they go back to Mosaic history, all three with the thou shalt have no other gods before me thou you know, no graven images. Yes. When the name God is an image <laughs> graven in stone, the commandment <laughs> to have no graven images is it is itself a graven image. So weird. Yeah. But, uh, Okay, you pro- you sound like you have more. I have a few things, well, but I want to make sure you have all the space to to clear out these nice, these ideas. Nice. Well, one thing I, have I haven't I haven't flushed out. This is coming to me on the fly here, but thinking about your triangle of the the three branches of the Abrahamics is I wonder if they map out on the Enneagram. I wonder if the feel think act where no matter where you move in a in a holy trinity, no matter where you move uh, you're kind of locked into a feel, think, or act as the foundation of reality. And I wonder if that has something to do with um, full-spectrum dominance, you could say. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dylan says, according to Higgins, the J's, the tiny hats, it's a dangerous word to say on YouTube, even in in, in a Polite context, they wouldn't even write Yod Hey numerically 10 5, but they would instead write 9 6. <laughs> Sounds about like them. <laughs> oh, that's that, that is interesting. I'm going to keep that in my pocket. Thank you, Dylan. Yeah, so uh, that's been on my Hold mind. On, can I pause for a meme? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> this is highly incorrect politically. <laughs> the smaller the career tip number 345 the smaller the beanie the higher your position will be on the socioeconomic ladder <laughs> wear the beanie for the job you want not for the one you have because <laughs> i sent this to mario because he's always got a beanie on <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's an implied very tiny hat at the top of the ladder but it's not pictured here <laughs> anyway <laughs> So, yeah, that's kind of that's where I'm looking at it. Like, uh, is the Holy Trinity also in or maybe not so Holy Trinity? Is it also part of the regulatory capture of the feel think act? Uh, Because I really love that weave you laid out a while back about no matter where you go, you end up in another camp. And I'm thinking I feel like, uh, you know, I'm really digging into Nietzsche right now. And I feel like Nietzsche was like, fuck all this. Let's, tr- let's break the system. Let's, you know, break people out, you know, empower them philosophically and look back at where shit went wrong. Uh, and he's 
pointing at, uh, you know, tragedy and the fact that we have this, um, we've been programmed into tragedy in a profound way. So uh, there, there's a lot more behind that. But uh, I think it, I think it's a interesting theory that he was tr- maybe trying to, you know, crack the code, break the matrix. Uh, yeah. Uh, create his own law, you know, walk, walk a, a whole new path. that's uh, one of a kind. So I'll drop it there. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's, there's a lot I could respond to in that, but I'm going to pivot us back over to the superb owl a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, if I, if I'm going to watch that thing, like I did with my family, just for fun, I'm going to at least take one page of notes on it. <laughs> at least one page. And so, yeah, I brought up the Adam and Eve avocado commercial. This is important because the whole symbol of like Ma, Rhea, Anna, <laughs> the god, the goddess of heaven of the year is also the, like I mentioned before, the Ark Argo story is the replication event of the creation. I mean, even in Genesis, it says, go forth and replenish the earth. It doesn't say plenish. It says replenish. I don't even think you can plenish something once. I think it's only a re. But anyway, uh, so the Adam and Eve thing is also calling on the very idea that, it were, that we're talking about here of demonia, that Adam, who is Osiris, when he goes into the earth, that is the same as going into the ark, metaphorically, going into the womb, going to rule the underworld or hell, right? The, the uh, below the earth signs of the constellations, if we're talking astrotheology, but metaphysically speaking, the doctrine being, and again, not that I believe this, it's a maybe, who knows? We can't know these things really. But another version of that symbolism, aside from the, Adam or the creation, uh, the creation and the flood are two versions of it. But the, the Iliad is the same story. Actually, it's the destruction of the world that leads to the regeneration of the world, but in a micro microcosm, because the world in this case is Troy. And believe it or not, (laughs) you don't have to believe me, but in my notes, I actually had put, this feels like the Iliad of KC versus Philae, Philadelphia, in Phoenix. Phoenix is a symbol of the regeneration of the world. It is literally that symbol. So I wrote this in my notes that this feels like the Iliad. And like the next commercial break, there was an antivirus commercial where the met, like the metaphor they used for the commercial was the Trojan horse coming up to the walls of a castle or something. And trying to get in, and then they scanned the Trojan horse with the antivirus software. <laughs> I was like, this is a fucking Iliad here. <laughs> oh my gosh, wow. Wow. I know, it kind of blew my mind. Yes, and we're, uh, we're in, uh, in February is where the minor deacon of Pegasus is. So again, with, uh, with the, the big sacred horse, the bridges, uh, the bridges through the winter uh, all the way into the spring. Yeah, quite profound. Good read, man. Wow. Connection on a potential sacrifice for the superb owl. I'll just say, I don't necessarily think that there's sacrifices going on. Don't know. Maybe there are. Maybe it's just synchromistic. I, I think there's some aspect of the logos or creative intelligence of cosmos that is just trying to talk to us through all this stuff that it's beyond planning 
or maybe the demonia are working it out, pulling strings or something, but yeah, De La Soul member. So there's De La Soul. (laughs) That's Soul, the SOL, the lone one. That's who's left after the destruction of everything is just Soul is all that's left. Tugoy the Dove died on the 12th, same day. Well, the Dove is the hero, the Eros, the one released from the Ark at the end of the whole cycle. So that's a really good sync. Thank you, Cody. It's also hope. The dove is hope, uh, which is the last thing in Pandora's box. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the last thing in her box. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. It, exactly. Thank you. The last thing to come out of the box. It is. Yeah, that's the regeneration of the world. I didn't know this, but Jen, Jen pointed out one of the instrumentalists behind Rihanna. And it's the guy that did all the producing of the music, apparently. Dude's name is Adam Blackstone. The Blackstone? Is that Pandora's box? You know, like, Adam? We're talking... (laughs) Come on! Come on, guys. Come on. It's so... It's just so fucking weirdly obvious, but... Okay, so... There's a movie about to come out called Adam Black something. No, Black Adam. It's a DC character. Yeah, it's, their, it's sort of like their Moon Knight. It's their Egypty hero. Okay. It's already out, but I don't... I can only yeah. fit one of Marvel or DC into my life. I don't fit DC in, personally. Well, uh, real, <laughs> real quick side weave. Uh, the day that they were talking about uh, that The Rock, whatever that actor's name is, that he should run for president. Which Oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Adam... Black Adam is played by a guy named The Rock. The Come Rock. On. Yes. On. Yes. So the day that they were suggesting he should be the president and he got on and he was like being all bashful and graceful about, no, I can't be doing that. I got kids. And they're like, well, your kids are going to be old enough. to Maybe you could think about it when they leave the house. And he's like, yeah, maybe in the future. Well, that is the fucking plot to idiocracy. And so for them to even infer that he might be the president, uh, that a, a wrestler, uh, actor, all-star, whatever, is going to become the president, is them threatening for idiocracy to come true. In the day that he did that, that, he, uh, that the Rock passed up the uh, presidential possibility was the day that a very fascinating headline came out that uh, somebody found uh, a white porcupine an albino porcupine and they drove past it they passed it up and then they had to go back and they took these pictures of this uh, extremely rare albino porcupine um which was just really just a strange headline to see on the same day because we know that the porcupine is the echidna it is on the maxwell family crest uh and maxwell jacobson is the you know the proliferator of placenta methamphetamines the weaves just go on and on and on uh but that one just it hit a note for me in that day when he you know Someone when he was that like hasn't been followed us for long enough it's just like placenta methamphetamine <laughs> it never <laughs> goes away <laughs> it never goes away so yeah the day he passed up the presidential offer there was a white porcupine in the wilderness that got passed up as well jesus Idiocracy holds up. Yeah, Braden, it does. I actually only saw it recently. Not like super recently, but yeah. So a few more things about the Super Bowl. There was an obvious hero 
of the Super Bowl, right? The M- the MVP. And <laughs> so it's this dude Mahones or Mahones, right? Uh Patrick Mahones. So I was reading just the word Rick is interesting. This came up in uh Holy Sailors. R I X R I C K R I C H Rick Rich. It's a thing. Um it's even got uh Pa Trick. It's like Trick the Father, the Father's Trick, the Father of Tricks. Exactly, or Pot, which is Buddha, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh so this is in Dylan's book, Holy Sailors. Concerning words related to rock, Lord, and thus God, Samays, Alit Samays, someone he's quoting in this chapter a lot, says Rix, R-I-X, is a great word, likewise, in the termination of great men's names as Cinerix, Dumnerix, Orgatorix, Ambiotrix, etc. I won't name them all, but without doubt, this Rix, R-I-X, was written rich, R-I-C-H, by the Gauls and the Britons. So anyway, it, re- it signifies rich or Rick or Rix signifies powerful and strong from whence in an ancient British book entitled the tree, yeah, blah, blah, okay, not blah, blah, blah. It's a great book, but I'll just say he's connecting this name or this word Rick or Ricks with the Patere, the fathers and dude's name is Patrick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then his name is, his last name is Mahones. Maha Ones. Maha is great. So, you know, is he, he's the strong father and the great mother, great Yoni. Maha Yones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or Maha John or Yanes, Oanes, any of these versions, which is the season we're in right now, Aquarius. It's John the Baptist. Anyway, he's the MVP. He's the, he's the Achilles, Mercury, Krishna of this Iliad, and dude. Also, he's curly headed like Buddha, and they, he sticks out his tongue all the time. Like ah, that's a very like Hindu look, right? Uh huh. And uh, he hurts his ankle, which is basically the Achilles heel. They go into halftime and everyone's like, oh, my God, his ankle. Is he going to be able to play? Is he going to be able to play? And he has like a miraculous recovery or whatever. And they win the game. But, dude, Achilles and Krishna both have the Achilles heel. Krishna is killed by an arrow to the heel, just like Achilles. And there's probably more. There's probably an astrotheological reason for that. But it's uh, (laughs) like, can you really like give birth to someone named them Patrick Mahones and then lead them through life, all the right steps so that they become the MVP of the Super Bowl and part of this grand ritual. Or is this just like, I feel like if there is some kind of behind the scenes, ritualistic planning of this stuff, it has to be in collusion with some other force. Yeah. And that puts you beyond the realm of what we can really know. So I don't want to make that as a claim, but it's very strange how it all syncs up. I mean, the, the one that comes to mind with the tongue out, ah, like he's always doing, Mahones yeah. is, is uh, Yama. And Yama is Pluto or Hades. You know, it's your Plato. Interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Which, yeah. Ooh, oh, and man. then the ankle theme was there because like uh, the, 
they they did like this repeated slow motion showing of the kicker from Philadelphia rolling his ankle, like stepping on inside of his foot and rolling his ankle. It looked pretty painful and they just kept doing it again. So like showing that over and over again. So I don't know. He's now the goat though. He's 27. (laughs) Patrick Mahoney's 27. The Mercury Jesus number. Very bizarre stuff. It is. So I already got an anagram out of his name. Panama Sheetrick. Which uh, Sheetrick is close enough for me to for me to she drink. Uh, And we know about the Panama Papers. Uh, Yeah, very sacred canal from which a lot of things are birthed. A lot of uh, goods and services come through that Panama. Yeah, oh, nice one, Cody. He's a he's a Mahone's the second. Thanks, Cody. Yeah, a good call on the scorpion there. Oh yeah, and yeah. then there's brother fighting brother. There were two brother. There's brothers on different scene or teams. My dad was talking about that. Oh, I didn't know that. So there was there was a brother on one team and then on the other team. So that's a that's a civil war uh, call sign. Brother on brother. It's also Germans. It's also Gemini. Brothers in arms. Dylan says, the placenta mirrors the world tree whose golden fruit are the stars. The womb is the matrix. That's very good. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the last things I'll say about the superb owl in terms of my notes that I think are worth noting was that the most prominent repeated type of advertisement was like uh, the major car manufacturers all had to throw out an EV commercial, electric vehicles. Oh, The first was the Jeeps. They're fucking freedom. This is freedom. This is freedom. And they're showing the, the electric cars driving around on a Mount Maru out there and far from civilization, like as if you're going to be able to charge it. <laughs> <laughs> and do that. And there's this weird rectangle floating box that they were charging their Jeeps on, like a, some sort of futuristic alien technology that we we don't know of or that exists that they were plugging into without a cord, which is bizarre. It is. Um, but I'll just like, there is something sto- like Storm God, you know, Zeus, Hercules about all this EV stuff. And it's just so ironic that they're... Cl- associating the electric Jeeps with freedom when it's literally the opposite. Like you're not going to find a, you're not going to be able to go as far or do as much with these things. It's just a fact. And the, uh, the worst one though, that was just like the most straight up mockery you could get was the Dodge Ram commercial for their electric trucks where to set up the the commercial, the joke was about erectile dysfunction like comparing oh, yeah. erectile dysfunction to not being able to get a charge for your electric vehicle. So EV, ED, I'm just like, come on. <laughs> like people yeah. just want, like they're telling you like we're cutting off. We're cutting you off. Okay. We're cutting you off. You can't go as far with your electric vehicles. So that was a big part of it. And in a, a, what is also interesting about, about that is and it's going to take me just a second to find the image, but I think I can. That Oh, no, I put it to the Vibrant call in line. Sweet. The interesting thing about that is supposedly 
the big Jesus in Rio de Janeiro was struck oh. by lightning yesterday. Man, this hits this hits home for me. Ah, so give thanks. The uh, in in the uh, in the Afro Brazilian ritualistic breakdance fighting that I have uh, learned and practiced for quite a long time now. I lose track of the years. This is a sacred pose. And um, this is not just any Jesus here. Uh, the Jesus in Rio de Janeiro is a Jesus, uh, sweet Jesus of the sailors, sweet Jesus of the navigators, to be more specific. Bon Jesus dos Novigandes. Dude. Yeah, buddy. And, and it is really something to have gone from uh, honoring and venerating and loving deeply on a spiritual level in my own personal practice, the energies of a sweet Jesus of the sailors, which ties into a particular, not so much the, uh, the Northern cross of Cygnus, the swan, this would be more like the cruz underneath centaur. This is the hanged man. This is an upside down cross Oh right, yes, the, yeah. Jesus is pissed that they're fucking with the electric the electricity. <laughs> good point. Yeah, he's like, this is not a good sign, folks. So the sweet Jesus of the navigators uh, is um, he's an upside down cross because he's reflected in the waters. It's not satanic because of the Jesus goes upside down. That's that's sheep dipping. It's upside down because he's reflected in the water that way. And that is what is sacred and beautiful. And also it's more of a Coptic cross. So no matter which way you turn it, it can't be inverted. Uh, but that's beautiful to me because I do a lot of uh, ritualistic inversions and going upside down is kind of a, is a spiritual journey into the underworld for me. Uh, so the Jesus of uh, Rio de Janeiro uh, is symbolically a part of an uh, annual ritual, a Rihanna, a new year. Uh, where they will put a little Jesus uh, effigy into a tiny little humble, modest boat and set it adrift at just the right time of year where the sea currents will actually carry the boat south along the coastline in the uh, assorted cities. Uh, they can anticipate Jesus's arrival like clockwork every year. And I forget what city it is down south. I want to say Bahia, but it, I might be wrong. I might be wrong on the city, but uh, at the end of his journey, there's a big celebration because he shows up right on time and everybody's faith is renewed. And so, yeah, that is not just any Jesus. That is the sweet Jesus of the sailors. Uh, and it's very profound that his name is Gennaro. That is the money. Gennaro is the money. And so there's something fascinating going on with the symbolism of the Jesus of the good money uh, taking a hit, an electric strike to the head. Money Powerful. on my mind, money, money on my mind sings Isis, the black Madonna <laughs> at the <laughs> superb owl. It's so profound. So <laughs> profound. Literally and, the black Madonna. That's the irony. Right. And then there's the, uh, there's a factor of like, how did they get the camera lined up to cut, to capture the image? The one split second, the lightning is striking, you know, had to be, had to be planned out in advance. It's a pretty crazy picture. It almost looks fake. But check out this comment from Matthew over on the Rockfin side. 
Some Earth temperature cycle records correlate with a woman's temperature during her menstrual cycle. If 180 years represents one day in the 28-day cycle, we're exactly at day 14, ovulation, around 2030. Basal temperature spikes right before ovulation, global warming. This is the optimal time to conceive new life. We allegedly started taking Earth's temperatures in 1850s or so. That's an interesting time period, 180 years prior. Although we have some private temperature records from the Medici family, their data ends in 1670 or 180 years prior to the 1850s. Just saying. <laughs> what a crazy <laughs> fucking comment. <laughs> yes, man, man, that opens a huge Pandora's box for sure. So, uh, Gordy, I shared the link if you, if you want to tell yeah, us buddy. what's up yeah, before man. we finish out tonight. So Pandora was blessed with many features and attributes by the gods. My favorite of those many blessings that she was adorned with before she was launched onto humanity. She's basically a, uh, uh, she's, she's basically a cyborg, you know, Hephaestus makes her, she's like the, you know, she's the first, uh, uh, sex bot. So, Mercury bestows onto her the uh, the spirit of a bitch in heat. That is Mercury's gift. That's the last gift that is put into her. And so this really hits a chord for me because if you spell out climate change, wow. if you spell climb with the silent B, you get climb bitch agony. She's a climbing bitch in agony. And so it's, it is like Pandora, the spirit of Pandora that is encapsulated in the phrase climate change. Uh, and there's, there's really something fascinating going on with that, that we've cracked Pandora's box by, you know, giving any credence to the concept that, you know, it's the end of the world and we, and I feel fine. I feel fine. <laughs> I feel great, actually. Never better. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, if you want to, that uh, you can pull up that image. Uh, I think the last one I sent in Telly to you with uh, the Brecken, uh, the Brocken Specter. Say that three times fast. The Brocken Specter. Yeah. So this is the launch point of uh, of worldwide television transmission. From, I'm pretty sure it's, no, I'm not so sure, uh, 1936, I might be wrong, but the very first Olympics ever were broadcast from the top of this mountain. This is where they put a very sacred um, uh, broadcast tower uh, to uh, televise the Olympics that year from Germany. And so this mountain is a sacred mountain. It's been written about throughout history before there was uh, international broadcasting. This mountain was the center of much controversy and mystical implication. This is said to be where the flight of the witches, uh, where they would come and meet on this on this mountain. 
and commune. Uh, uh, some believe that that was a psychedelic uh, adventure that they were on. Uh, Carl Jung, who claimed to have uh, sanguinity to uh, Goethe, the, the writer who wrote Faust. Um, well, that writer uh, wrote about the Brock Inspector as well. So there are millions of threads that tie to the top of this mountain before television. And for them to use this mountain as the location for the first worldwide broadcast is a very profound fact. And so I believe that this uh, casting of shadows uh, from a high location to generate the fear and the uh, pandemonium onto the people below you, uh, <clears throat> it has a long and uh, dark and sordid history, we'll say. Um, but it is very much like taking the, a location that is Plato's cave, has been Plato's cave for generations before, and has been the center of where the witches meet, where, this, uh, where a lot of people's fear is magnified and amplified, much like uh, the, the uh, allegory of Plato's cave. For this to be the first place, the birthing place of, uh, of international broadcasting from those Olympic Games, uh, it just hits a really synchronistic chord for me. And uh, I uh, took the picture of the Brock Inspector that is the uh, shadow that is magnified, has a double uh, halo, it has a double ring of um, this double rainbow. And the colors are seem unnatural. It's not like your standard rainbow. They seem to be a bit inverted, that the red is on the exterior. Uh, there's something going on, and you can read about it. I suggest everybody read about it. They call this light, they call it glory. The ring that is around the specter is called the glory. Uh, there's a whole lot behind, uh, if you want to research more about the Brock Inspector. It's, it's, a, really, it's a real trip. But Carl Jung, uh, he wrote about it in this poem. And this is the poem where he is talking about his shadow. And I'll just read the, sh the poem really quick because... Uh, I am beginning to question the the way that Carl Jung's work has been manifested at post-mortem. I'm not saying that Carl Jung was a bad dude. I'm thinking people have taken a really amazing thing that Carl Jung foresaw uh, and uh, weaponized it in a major way. So I'm not trying to sully the good name of the elder here. I'm just saying that people... Uh, who get paid a lot of money have weaponized this technology in a fascinating way. It's a, it's a lot to think about, but the poem is written. Uh, this is a segment. I believe it's, it's probably longer than this. I had a dream which both frightened and encouraged me. It was night in some unknown place. And I was making slow and painful headway against a mighty wind. Dense fog was flying along everywhere. I had my hands cupped around a tiny light, which threatened to go out any moment. Suddenly, I had a feeling something was coming up behind me. I looked back and saw a gigantic black figure following me. When I awoke, I realized at once that the figure was a specter of the Brocken, my own shadow on the swirling mists, brought into being by the little light that I was carrying. And I love this little writing 
because he's talking about a center place, a sacred place. Uh, he's talking about Plato's cave. He's talking about the shadows on the wall. And he's talking about that which is frightening can also be encouraging if you face it head on. The obstacles are the path. Yes. That's what's up. That is what's up. You want to hear more? To hear more about your young spiracy. But I, I have, yeah. I think we should leave it hanging. What's up, Gordy? What's up, gentlemen? I like that new microphone. Yeah. Does it sound, looking good with that. Do I sound? Oh yeah, that's uh, sounding so NPR. good. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> play your voicemails earlier that you put into the call in line. Oh, my bad. Nice. They just uh, something was weird happening with my audition software that I used to convert it into the right kind of file to put it in Streamyard. Yada yada yada. Technical talk, but it, I'm glad you're here. But before we get into what you have, I have a little bibliomancy for us. All right. So first of all, first of all, <clears throat> this is the book I wanted to just pick a random page from. It is called The Greek Way to Western Civilization. I found it at a used bookstore the other day. <laughs> Edith Hamilton, classic mythographer. And so it's 190 pages and I put into a random number generator, 1 through 190. And uh, why isn't it showing the right thing? Hold on. I got to give it a different screen share. But look at this shit. Look at this shit. All right. This is Vibrant episode 77. And out of one and 190, it generated 77. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so we're into something. There's some, something is up. We're definitely getting into wow. some territory of synchro mysticism. So Man. page 77 out of here is from a chapter. This may be completely irrelevant, in which case, you know, you'll just hear me read for a second. But this is from Aristophanes and Old Comedy. That is the name of the chapter. So we're just starting in the middle here. But underneath that difference, their fundamental point of view was the same. They were topical writers, both of them, given to the matters of the moment. And yet Aristophanes has been laughed with for 2,000 years, and Gilbert has survived a half century of such shattering change. His England seems almost as far away from us. They saw beneath the surface of the passing show. They wrote of the purely ephemeral, ephemeral, and in their hands it became a picture not of the follies and foibles of a day and a nation, but of those that exist in all nations and all ages and belong to the permanent stuff of human nature. Of the two, Aristophanes has the bigger canvas, leagues to Gilbert's inches, but the yardstick is not a measure of art, and the passages that follow will show how closely they resemble each other in the quality of their humor. It is true that Aristophanes wrote for an audience on a higher level intellectually than Gilbert's, made up of the keenest minds, the most discriminating critics the theater has ever known. It would be impossible to imagine the Victorians listening delightedly to hundreds of lines on end that were nothing except exquisitely skillful parodies of Browning and Tennyson. In the vital manner of an audience, the Athenian was greatly more fortunate than the Englishman, and his plays have inevitably a far wider scope. Nonetheless, it remains true that while the difference in their intellectual appeal may quite have been due to the difference between the people each write for, their resemblances are far more striking and are even 
and are certainly due to a close kinship of spirit. Here we go. Uh, Even in matters of technique, which is wont to vary so greatly from age to age, there are many similarities to both men. The fooling is the point, not the plot. In that subtle individual thing, the use of meter, they are strikingly alike. The meter of a comic song is as important as its matter. No one understood that more clearly than Gilbert. Quote, All children who are up in dates and floor you with them flat. All persons who are, who in shaking hands, shake hands with you like that. Aristophanes understood it too, as none better. Come now. Come listen now to the good old days when children, strange to tell, were seen, not heard, led a simple life. In short, were brought up well. This jolly line is a favorite with him, but he uses an endless variety. Examples will be found in the passages translated, in all of which I've already said, except the one indicated. I've reproduced the original meters. Okay, so really random. I don't know what this is going to tie into, if anything, but I'm sure Gabriel knows. Oh, man. Yeah, it's got my gears going. Uh, okay, so... Meter is as important as the matter. I'll, I'll say this much. Aristophanes uh, is a number four on my Enneagram project. Uh, so it's really fascinating that you're bringing that up. And um, the epiphanies are going to take me a few days to process on that because I'm going to have to play this back. So everybody check the comments below <laughs> for what I come up with. But that is really fascinating that you mentioned Aristophanes, who is the... Uh, yeah, he's the in the fourth seating position in the symposium. He's a comedian, and so the fact that he's talking about the fool is a key. Uh, that's really that's really something because the number four draws a direct line up to number one, which is the fool card uh, in my project. So, yeah, it's, wherever that came from, it it adheres to my enneagram symposium project pretty pretty. <laughs> so, Gordy. Now that we have you here. My favorite 77 song is maybe the lust, the flesh, the eyes and the pride of life is a really good one. But if you want to go back to the originals, um, ba, ba, ba. Yeah. Ba, ba, ba. That's a good one. The, They're all about brainwashing. (laughs) 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 So, um, so speaking of brainwashing, we've had some interesting media events going on that it's uh, been nonstop, dude. And it's happening right here. So, uh, earlier when you guys were on, I was on the phone with my wife. She was driving. So you're in Arizona for people that don't know. Okay. Sorry. Yes. I'm in Southern Arizona and it's very near. I live near where the spill took place. Wait, I thought this was a no. I thought we're talking. I thought the train, we're not talking about the train wreck. It's not the same thing. There's another one. There's another one. This was reported. I don't even know about this one. Okay. I don't like, I only find out what I find out from random chance. (laughs) So, So as Yesterday afternoon, 
we all get on our phones um, an alert, a shelter in place, a, a chemical spill accident that a tanker was uh, tipped over and they are shut, shut down the freeway. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, the, all the neighborhoods around here were supposed to be shelter in place. And so from I-10 all the way to Davis Mountain Air Force Base, they shut down this whole swath of Southeast Tucson. And so a truck, what literally happened was it was a, an LTL truck, a Landstar um, truck, a, a LTL, just a box truck fell it tipped over it was really super windy windy yesterday and this truck got pushed over and it was not a tanker there was chemicals inside the back of this truck it fell and the the chemicals went everywhere there is a nasty and so if this is um nitric acid which is what they said it was and it is some nasty nasty stuff um they quarantined a mile around that area they they were supposed to have uh uh evacuated these people and they did um but they shut down and sheltered in place for miles around here that and there have been chemical spills on i10 before it's not that crazy of an idea but they've never had we've never seen this kind of reaction before here's the thing the neighborhoods that they did not uh evacuate or shut down they did tell people to to not turn on their turn off their air conditioning and all that kind of stuff because it was this stuff was fluctuating through the air and but the people on the other side of the freeway were the ones that were affected not the ones on the the one the, there it is yep that's it that's the that's the exact so what's interesting when in other pictures of that truck they don't have all of the uh chemical signage that you would have for a normal uh, chemical truck. Like I've had to do uh, hazardous material logistics training in my past. So you have to have all sorts of signage. You, you've got to have a very, if you're going to transport those or explosives or anything like that, you have to have those explicitly uh, notated on the back of your, your truck and everything has to be uh uh, settled down, tied down in a very specific way. So this doesn't happen. This clearly didn't happen. And that truck fell and there was definitely a chemical spill. Um, people that we have talked to have actually felt the, the, uh, the effects of this, like they, they felt the burning and, um, uh, heard that one guy was was vomiting from it, but they were still uh, 
getting people to work or whatever. Some people were, were called off and other people weren't. It was, it's very strange. Okay. See, this is, this is what's weird. You see that? You, you can't even tell. Anyway, this happened. This, the night after this, we were, so we, they did a whole shelter in place lockdown thing. It got on everybody's phone and freaked everybody out. I had people calling me. So this is the, stuff. so this is the training for lockdowns and shelter in place of climate problems and pollution problems and climate change. Cause I, they've been, you know, we've been hearing our co- cohorts in this community say for a while that the pivot will be from cooties lockdowns to climate lockdowns. Yeah. This seems like maybe a better way to panic people into it than to just be like, you guys are using too much energy. You're not electric vehicling hard enough. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then there's HB 30, 1333. Good God. Uh, but I know um, you have more to say. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just think no, that's it's okay. important. That shelter in place language is very crucial. Yes. You know, I've literally never heard that f- phrasing before 2020. And now it's mm-hmm. like, here we go. Yeah. We've already been trained on what this means. Yep, exactly. Keep, you know, trained. Oh, oh. <laughs> Gordy, didn't you? Uh, didn't you take up some of the snow? And did you end up microwaving yeah. the snow? I did. <clears throat> okay, so th- the other part of this story is that I couldn't have gotten out anyway, but just because the traffic was so backed up last night, but we didn't want to. Next morning, we get get up, and there's this huge blanket of snow. I didn't see any forecast of snow. Um, there's tons of snow on the, on the ground. The snow was weird though. It was like pebbly, like, you know, when styrofoam is loose and it has, um, there's a, a video on this, on the spiders telegram, I think that I put in there. Um, but it rolls around. It's not like regular snow. It's like, um, you know that, you know that, uh, gooey stuff that, that it was marketed by, uh, I think they called it uh, Nickelodeon. Gak, that's it. Yes. Yeah. It's like Gak. And when you squish it, I remember it, that. It makes Thanks that, for that. That act, that's way better description. Gak. I mean, everyone knows what Gak is. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's more like that. It's a weird and it didn't thaw. Like I can count on my, on one hand, the times of my life that it has snowed in Tucson and it was still there by 10 AM. That's what flown. That's another good word. Yes. Thank you, Andy. Um, but uh, it didn't melt and it was in the sun. Like a lot of this melted. I mean, it's, it's wet all over the place. A lot of it melted, but it didn't melt like regular snow. It's, it's just a very, very strange thing. And then all this stuff, they, they canceled schools. Um, but they're going to do this big shindig down at the fairgrounds, which is right next to where the spill happened. It's mind-boggling the choices these people are making. Anyway, 
Shoot away. I've, there are so many theories rolling around my head. I have no idea. You know, it would be a, a good cover also, you know, they never, never, <clears throat> never lose an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever there's something like this, you take full advantage. You, they, uh, they'll start the marketing of the, the shelter in place. Also, what mm-hmm. perfect timing to be able to move something that the rest of the public move something on Davis Monthan Air Force Base that would border right around those neighborhoods where they couldn't see because they're all locked down. Right. Right. That's such a good point, buddy. You know, uh, here, I've got to point out. So I'm seeing a powerful access between the train derailments and where you are uh, in Arizona on my territories map. So uh, we don't have, can you make me big for a sec chance? So we don't have my territories map here, but let me see if I can do this. There we are. See this, this dividing line right here is where we are in the year. We're going from Aquarius into Pisces. So we're bordering right here. And this is in my territories map. This is Arizona. And when you go 180 degrees up here, this is the dividing line between Leo and Virgo. This is moving from essentially uh, Ohio area, moving into Virginia area in my uh, territories map. So there is a uh, holy axis, a 180 degree relationship between uh, where you are in Arizona, oh, which is also, by the way, the Phoenix is where they the just biggest. did the Super Bowl too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that they is just Peg- the Super Bowl here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that is Pegasus. That's where Pegasus is born out of. Pegasus and Phoenix are correspondent. So the, the Pegasus is the gas, the Pegasus. This is the gas, the fumes that came out of the decapitated Medusa. Mm-hmm. It's the spirit of the child she was pregnant with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, on 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 my map, this, that alignment between those two disasters is a perfect 180 degree line, which, by the way, also relates to the uh, the royal stars shifting into mutable uh, into the mutable age. I think that you have a really strong candidate for distraction cover on distraction that 1333. Have you heard about, about yeah, have you heard I, about that, Gordy? HB? I, need you to, I need you to give us that in, <clears throat> in detail, you know, because I, I got your voice messages today, but I haven't looked into it. I yeah, didn't hear it on the article you sent me. I'm sorry, man. No, no it was a lot. <laughs> you sent me a treasure trove smorgasbord of things to, uh, to check out on a daily basis. And, you know, I can only eat so much per meal, right? <laughs> but I appreciate you cook up all kinds of stuff for me. I feel like yeah, super blessed to uh, to have the message thread we have going. So totally. much gold in there. So uh, everybody should look up HB uh, 1333. It is, uh, in a nutshell, it will establish a new ministry of truth. And the, the requirements for this ministry will be uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's a, let me think, DEI, which is a moniker of the Opus Dei, or self-flagellating 
extremists, if you ask me, but uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion will be a part of the program. Uh, and they will very likely be combing the internet uh, like a, like a, it's going to be a witch hunt. And uh, it's, it's just a fascinating topic for them to be injecting into the collective right now while everybody's looking up at the sky and uh, marveling at all the patterns and the spectacle of the superb owl and all those things we're going to be talking about so many uh, uh, valid concerns. But HB 1333, if it goes through, uh, if it goes through, it's going to be very alarming. And I would even say, you know, topics like Tartaria, topics like was America the original Egypt? You know, these kind of topics and uh, questioning historical narratives are going to be very quickly uh, labeled as uh, right wing extremists, white supremacy. All kinds of horrible things are going to are in the wings if that goes through. So uh, it it does concern me a lot because I've said a lot of things about America might be Egypt. Oh, those black guys are dressed up all in white because yeah. it's the Fabian Society. You know, those kind of things. Say. Yeah, those kind of things will very likely be turned against us uh, in a fascinating way. And the whole thing of 1333 has made me look back at our decode we did on Dr. Strange in the moment when he's put in front of that tribunal and all of the constitutional amendments are embodied in the characters who are on the tribunal who are going to put him through trial. And then a witch hunt ensues. And uh, Wanda invades the uh, invades the uh, Illuminati. She infiltrates the Illuminati and they have to go fight her. And she systematically burns through all of the constitutional amendments like they're nothing. She just walks through them. Uh, so, yeah, I keep thinking about our decode we did on that and how it would relate to the witch hunt that would be running amok if if and very likely when that bill passes. So I just wanted to put that on people's radar. It is something to really focus on. So there's a couple of interesting things I'll add in just in the synchromysticism of it. I Googled HB 1333, thinking I would find what you were talking about. And instead I get all these house bills for the various states and their whatever they were up to for their 1333. <laughs> and the Missouri one, which was at the top of my list, probably because I'm in Missouri was about arson. <laughs> yeah, it was like a bill describing all the ways that you could commit arson. The first one being controlled substances like methamphetamine. Oh, okay. And you know, so I got if, that, if your meth lab explodes, that's arson. Yes. Uh, but let me just say the other thing I, I <laughs> the other thing that I found interesting is the year 1333. There was a great famine in China that breaks out that over the next years kills. Oh my God, 6 million, 6 million dead. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. And also though, it, they say that uh, a great famine took place in Southern Europe as well. So a famine in China and in Europe. And Fascinating. So Echo. are we looking at possible famines built up in our, you know, in our belief quotient of our current time, there's nice. certainly a, a large belief in famines coming. Me, I, I think that 
you know, it's going to, as everything else is going to affect people and different people in different ways, depending on their relationship to their life force energy (laughs) and their environment and and all that. But very bizarre. Just say, so there's a, there's a couple more trigger words uh, to just keep our ears to the ground and, you know, maybe generate more awareness around. Uh, I think part of this bill is going to make it a, a crime to uh, even talk about replacement theory. And everybody should get your head around replacement theory while you can still even talk about it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not one to try to drive that kind of narrative, but I can see where a lot of things I do talk about would be construed under this new ministry of truth and bent and, and whittled down to try to incriminate something I have said that might have anything to do with it or imply that I'm supporting that. And then the next word is very valuable is stochastic terrorism. And uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whose initials are an acronym anagram for KO, chaos, um, she was uh, throwing that term around. She was uh, crop dusting the consciousness with the term stochastic terrorism, which is to say, if you say something that might have inspired somebody to do a violent deed bazillions of miles away because they read between the lines of something you said, then you could be incriminated for their, for their deeds. It's, it's such a broad net. They're trying to, they're trying to cast. It's a broad, broad net. Well, this has been a remarkable weave gentlemen. I know Gordy just got here though. So I, if, Man has things to say. We can hang out longer. We can, you guys keep move saying, away towards wrap up. You keep saying Superb Al. I got him. Oh, that's <laughs> right, buddy. Yeah. We got, we got nesting today. Nice. Because today nice. she started nesting. So, excellent. So, I got the, uh, the game cam on her right now, and we'll see what we get in the morning. And, but this year, I hope I've got, I hope I get, enough footage like because i really want to get the first shot of the eggs you know this year and get like all the little the little details that i've missed before like they're really hey actually can you can i share my screen i mean yeah you got yeah that in here yes you can or you can forward me something uh share screen here we go Oh, well, if you just want to pull up my Instagram. No, I'd rather that you do it all. Yeah. Let, yeah all right. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I, of course. Yeah, I will. Uh, is that up? No, that's not. That's the kind of replacement theory I like to hear about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A new, a new brood coming in. I'm okay. starting to look for your Instagram, you know, as a backup possibility here. Yeah, that might be a good idea because this thing isn't. StreamYard doesn't like me very much. You what? and David Matheson. <laughs> so which one do you want? <laughs> yeah, trouble getting the StreamYard screenshot. Yeah. Anyway, go to my go to my uh, Instagram, Cordy underscore Two Shoes. It's this one you're seeing on the screen, and um, I'm sharing a bunch more owl owl pictures. And uh, there we go. There we go. First one. That's her just today. Gwen for the win. win. Yep. How many broods is this that you've been here for? 
This will be four. There was only one year that they didn't they didn't uh, nest, but we got them back. So this will be number four. That other that next picture right there that you see. Oh, there we go. There's my babies. Wow. So this is flora, fauna, and Meriwether. But so a lot of doings with these guys too, because I've had a little bit of a row with this. Uh, no row. Um, you just chose that word because of all the arc symbolism we've been into tonight. <laughs> right, row. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this bobcat that's been kind of hanging around has been made me made me very nervous it being around, but it wasn't shy about about being around. Like it showed itself to me several times that the uh, bobcat got an owl on the outside of my little perimeter that I've kind of set up. I, I did this. Oh, there's Gwen coming in to feed the babies. Right. Um, So cool. Hashtag um, parenting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then they're biting her train. They're yeah. Her tail feathers. I learned that that is a, the word train means that is her train. Yep. Tail of the bird. Um, so the bobcat got an owl. I don't know what owl it was. It wasn't Peter or Gwen because I had just left them. So I knew it wasn't one of them. But it has this whole story um, that it's still unfolding, but has these shamanic initiation overtones that I just can't like, it's still unfolding. I, it's hard to get my brain around that spirit calls you in, in ways that you just can't ignore at a certain point. And that was the thing about, about these guys is the, the lesson is, you know, I joke about it. How many owls does it take for Gordy to pay attention? Apparently all of them. (laughs) <laughs> but uh <laughs> we've but, all got our you know we've all got our spiritual two by four fours that hit right. us over the head exactly i'm glad it's this dramatic though so i can share them with you guys and like like mike cullen said there's no you know when you're in the presence of an owl it's not like it's just it's not like seeing a cat or a dog or or even even a a bird it's like, it's not just a bird. It is the bird. You know, it's the one that, that traverses the material and the spiritual. There's a reason for all those things being in their mythology because they can see through everything. They, they're one of the, the spiritual characteristics is that they see through all illusion that you see yourself for the first time as you are. It's about rebirth and all that. But I think everybody's starting to see these kind of, you, you see the obsession with owls everywhere, right? Like it's, it's not just me. People are finding these connections all over the place. Um, but I am enjoying, I'm very grateful to these guys that they've adopted me and allowing me to, to be around and hang out with them. And um, they come to the house sometimes. 
It's fun. And hey, actually, could you could you bring that back up, Chance? Yeah. And there's there's one that's dark. Let's see. Uh, go down. I think it's it's one of these. Yeah. Click that one right there. Oh nope, that's that's a different one. Oh yeah, turn the sound on that. Yeah, that was cool. I remember this one. Yeah, there was a whole parliament in that that tower that um, may or may not have gifts around it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you've organized it. <laughs> so the owls are like, it's cool now. It's cool now. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. But at any rate, they've, they've, they come to the house too as well. So Gabe, and it's a different pair. Uh, I found your bill and it, I actually, this oh, is not Washington, the DC Washington. This bill you're talking about, I think is in Washington, the state. I don't know if you said that, but you know, it's an important precedent. I just, for mm-hmm. to help people who are looking for that, this is in Washington state establishing the domestic violent extremism commission. That's it. not a good precedent. We'll say that much. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah, man. It's so, Oh, it's so profound. Like the way that the language develops over time, you know, like it went from, uh, Ah, these buzzwords, you know, they take on a life and a momentum and then they, and then it just grows and expands. But like, you know, uh, the term toxic masculinity, that was, that was a hot, it still is. It's still a hot topic, a hot issue. And then sure enough, the, uh, as toxic masculinity is like culminated or climaxed, then they convince everybody that they have to put on masks. And if you are stoic or if you're going to say no or uh, draw a line in the sand or make a stand for yourself, then you must be, you must be the source of toxic masculinity. You must be where this coronavirus is being proliferated from. But then it's just only a matter of tipping the scales in people's minds a little more to be like, oh, they're domestically violent. You know, if you're toxically masculine, you must be domestically violent terrorist. You know, and then, yeah, the, these uh, were being corralled, you know, the 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 minds of the masses are absolutely being corralled. And so, yeah, all of this stuff about terrorism, domestic terrorism, extremism, you know, uh, eventually it's going to be, you know, they're just going to make it a crime to have critical thinking. That's what that's really what this is all funneling down to. And I keep thinking of it as the uh, this is the target on Captain America's shield. You know, this is the bullseye that they've been aiming for all along uh, is uh, targeting people who make a stand, uh, who stand on the ground that they were born on. You know, um, even the word national right now, the word national gets people fired up. You know, they see red when they hear the word national. It's not good. Not good. So, guys, I think we're going to wrap it up. But Gordy, would you. You know, we've talked about a lot of weird stuff. There's a, some serious juju in the air right now, clearly. Would you guide us through a couple minutes of going within and clearing clearing the juju, you know? 
because with all the toxic spills and I, I didn't even bring up something that happened today related to poison gas and all this idea that some random, literally no subscriber channel out of the blue put up a video about George Wiseman's AquaCure hydrogen gas machine and made all these claims about how dangerous it is and how you will definitely get poisoned and die if you use it. Really, it would be it would just be nothing. We wouldn't care about this. But then the uh, whatever whatever demon is controlling the husk of Santos Bonacci shared that video to his very large cult following. And so our good buddy Balderson, he made a he went live today to talk about this because he's also friends with Wiseman. I was a bit freaked out that it came up as a subject because I happened to be emailing George Wiseman today for the first time in like a year or more. And then (laughs) this comes up. So Baldy already go find on Odin's alchemy, Benjamin Balderson's YouTube channel. If you want to hear him give the full rundown of it, but just to suffice to say that the, uh, I don't think the aqua cure is dangerous, but you might want to go watch that video just to see the, the the buzz I'm talking about. I really don't know what the deal is with all that. Uh, so very strange sink though. I still support fully the Browns gas bubbler, the aqua cure. People can find a link to buy that. <laughs> Balderson says what a little shriveled. <laughs> what a little shriveled. You know, Ron have- Santos is. Yeah. I have a uh- very bizarre story. Empathy Thanks for going for, live on that, though, Ben. That was good. Yeah, Ben. Covering that off for our, our community. I have empathy for Santos. Like, I, you know, oh, yeah, we yeah. all kind of followed him as he was kind of in those circles as well. And you can kind of see where somebody was like, oh, let me fix it. Let me help you. And I'll, I'll make you, I'll, I'll take all care of all this, all of this other stuff. So you don't have to worry about it. You can focus just on the spiritual stuff. You don't have to do all the the other things and I'll take care of that for you. And as soon as I have time to snap a guy to death and talk about the internet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What the fuck? I don't know what's up with that. Like it seems he was so rad in like 2012 and then in 2015 or so he disappeared and theoretically was arrested. Then he came back and this just strange slide into madness commenced from there. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Burn. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's just kind of chill out and breathe a little bit because we could definitely use it, right? The, the whole stress of, even if it's not happening to us, we're feeling that energy from other people. If you're contacting with other humans, you're going to feel it. It's out there. The anxiety. Yeah. I'm not trying to interrupt you, Gordy, but I just will direct people to send their attention or if they have like a a sonic slider or a weighted tuning fork or just put your hand on it to just touch in with your left shoulder, left armpit area. This is the part of your biofield that really absorbs negative energy from the world or suffering of other people. These crazy media events are just like an arrow shooting you right in this spot, this pit of despair, this left armpit. So just acknowledge that and ask for a release of whatever may hold there. And then, you know, you go ahead and continue, Gordy. I just wanted to point people to where this might be in their body. 
That's yeah. interesting. No, this that's, is, that's where the Pledge of Allegiance was channeled for so many generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where we, where our, all the lies are, are, we've been storing that it's all gone. Just let it go. The illusions are gone. It's okay. Freedom of thought is waiting for you. Freedom of thought sets you free from all the other things. And just take a breathe, take a long, deep cleansing breath. Just breathe in your nose. And breathe deep with your with your diaphragm. Deep breathe all the way down. And then let it go out natural. Do it again. Get some good, get some good air in there. And let it out slow. Purposeful breathing is also detoxifying. And if you're not used to this kind of thing, you can just do a, like a quick little box breath, two, two, and two, and two. But make them long, relax. If the thoughts come in your head, let it go. This is how we regain our strength. By listening and actually having our ear to the ground and our hands in the dirt as we re-resonate and re-remember where we came from. And that's the earth. And all the bullshit that's going on in the world, it's not going on in here. So you can just let it go. The only thing that matters is right here, where you are right now. And breathe in some healing light. Maybe hum to yourself. Get that resonate. Resonate your own body. Is the, like chances preaching all the time, heat, vibrational healing is a real thing. And you can start that with yourself with nothing. Just by meditating and humming. Breathe deep again. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can add in a whistle. Let's do that three times fast, three times. Just kind of be with me and experience it.
And I just want to sit in gratitude for a second. Thank you, Chance, for putting these rooms together so we can do this kind of stuff, man. So gratitude to you and the, this whole community that we're sharpening each other's swords. And we are sitting in each other's peace. And magic is talking to us. When we're open and listening, it's speaking back. So quiet everything else and listen. And that's when the truth talks to us. I love that, Gordy. Thank you, brother. You know. So good. Yeah, man. I was finding you guys in the real while we were zoned in. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking, it's not, you guys aren't hearing the phone. I'm finding you in the real. And I'm like, which direction are they? Where, where, where? And I realize it's actually right through the phone. It's a straight line. It'll hit chance and then it'll go straight to Gordy. (laughs) (laughs) Geographically speaking. And what's really fascinating, it's dawning on me that that is the 180 line that I traced between uh, Leo and Virgo going down into Aquarius and Pisces. The line between us. And we just... yeah, we just peeled the axis. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> really wild. <laughs> that's really fun. That was great. Hey, man, that's that felt great. Uh, it doesn't take much, you know. Thank you for showing everybody how quick the head change can be. If you just tap in, like I, I say this a lot. If you feel stuck, if you feel like there's a hard feeling or you feel inadequate, whatever it is, take action. But that action can be symbolic. It can be like, you know, that's the, t- the power of the tuning forks, man. It doesn't have to be that tool. There are other tools. What Gordy just led us through is a wonderful tool, but like, it's about the action that you take that symbolizes the intent to let it go, to shift, to move on, to evolve, whatever it is. So, I had a lot of fun with this tonight. Thanks, everybody. I will say if people did want to do a tuning with me, a one-on-one, to get in touch sooner than later because there's been a huge amount of people inquiring and booking from the Tinfoil Hat Show. Yeah, I bet. A lot of people. So you you run the risk of not getting in until March or no, March. Definitely March is filling up. So not getting until April. If you, I say run the risk. I'm not trying to like scare you. You can do all this yourself, but if you want to work with me for a biofield tuning, hit me up sooner than later. And uh, yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to put out a quick little announcement. I had a show pop up on the, uh, on the YouTubes today. I did a a show with um, a fella. His channel is called esoteric thoughts. And if anybody hasn't tuned into his channel, I very much recommend it. I absolutely love his work. He does a lot of, uh, he has Tazari on on, uh, quite a bit. So there's a lot of gravy on that channel. If anybody hasn't gone there yet, but he had me 
he's had me on twice now, but he really, he liked the Marvel uh, Avengers tarot project that I've done uh, so much that he moved it to the front of the line of his to-do list. So uh, that came out today. So everybody should check out Esoteric Thoughts. And uh, it was great. He just gave me the mic and let me run with it. And I and I didn't I didn't fuck up too much. So it was a good show. And then somewhere down the line, there's another show he and I did uh, that's out of order. It's unchronological, but there's another one in the wings over on his channel. So but I just touch, I feel like we should know each other. Yeah, he is. He is an awesome dude. He's in London. He's got a great voice. God, he's got such a great voice. He's like giving Mag- Miguel Connor a, a run for his money. He's got such a good voice. Yeah, invite him to a Vibrant. I mean, you're literally like half of the Vibrant. I know <laughs> I do the the behind the scenes for it, but you you know it's kind of your show too. If you want to kick in yeah. some suggestions for guests or get in touch with them, I'm cool with that. Nice. Like nice. this this whole Wednesday night fun that we do wouldn't wouldn't be the way it is without you. So. I just appreciate your steady, constant broship. You're the man, Gordy. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't talking to you, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> nice dodge. Nice dodge. Uh, no, but yeah, you're, you're the man, Gabe. You're, you're a good man, too. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, man, Gabe, both of you guys, man. I appreciate both of you. Thanks hey, so I'm going to go see. Thanks for being consistent, bro. I'm going to see the Quantumania tomorrow night. Maybe we can mm. get the band back together for demystifiers. I'm sorry for sleeping on that. It's just like the more episodes of it that we did each time I would get more and more elaborate with the note taking and the preparation. And I started mm. to sort of bite off more than I wanted to chew. So mm. a hiatus was in order, but totally. we will bring the marvelous right. demystifiers will return. We'll do that soon. Anyway, so you guys can watch Quantumania and <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, my, uh, show with Mike Cleland on the one-on-one podcast. If you guys haven't seen that, um, check that out while that was premiering on YouTube, I was recording with uh, source connection and, um, I get to tell a little more of the Bobcat story on there. So it, I don't think they've released it yet, but again, thank you for introducing us chance. The, each time we do one of these and our, our sphere greatens, you know, yeah, I mean, our, our connections are bigger and wider and the whole thing is great. It's good stuff. Is today, is today two one six? That's in two one five. It's about to okay, be. Two, yeah. Okay. Quantum Mania is out on two one six. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow is a very sacred number. T A X six times six times six two one six is a big big to do. That's that's very fascinating. Uh, I'm glad you said something, Gordy, because I forgot. I'm probably going to be on oversharing here in a, a few days. Oh, good. Hey, cool. On the twentieth. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be on with her and Brandon. That'll be a great show. I'm looking awesome. forward to They're that. Great. Yeah, man, can't wait. All right, guys, that's it. We're out. Now Yeehaw. you got Love y'all. Thanks everyone for tuning in, especially you champions who've been here since the beginning. See you for the next one. And uh, yeah, take care. Much love. It's hard to even hit end, but we'll do it. Goodbye. (laughs) Peace, y'all.